Good evening to you and A.V. Steve Summers here, you there, Rob. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS. Here we go, back to the rock. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the five-year anniversary special featuring Mr. John Farrar. It needs to be on the edge of falling apart at any time. Get right up to that point where this could all fall apart, but you're getting something magical. Patrick Bowles! Finally, he got up the seat, and I ended up putting my fist in his chest. You're going to have to find a different route, buddy. Brian Horowitz! Same thing happening. Look back and seeing this, this freaking dweeb climbing over the seats and knocking into us. And I remember he just looked, and he just goes, It is Pearl Jam, yes? Javier fucking Hervis with the gear. It's amazing how much time Mike was spending like right next to his board for solos like this. It's just consistently trying to look for different combinations, right? Matt Helbig! I'm standing there with my jaw on the floor. To say this hit me in a way that I had never been hit before is an understatement. And that's why I think I have rallied for this. You can call me Ed, you can call me Randy, just listen to this podcast, why don't ya? Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, five-year anniversary special. Thank you all for sticking around for all this time, because five years, yeah, when you look on five years like five years ago and what that five years afterwards looked like, it doesn't feel that long, but boy, when you are right in the thick of what the five years is and how long you've been doing stuff for five years, you're like, where the hell did we start? How did we get here? And Where's the time gone? And essentially, that is what we're going to do today in this episode, is just kind of relive all of that. How we started, how we got to where we were today, and how things have impacted us as we've moved along as a podcast, and sort of how we've been impacted by the Pearl Jam community as well. So, it's going to be interesting. A lot of our favorite people are going to talk to us. And we're going to talk about just their impact on us, mostly. And we'll talk a little bit about episode stuff. But it's all the cast and characters that you guys probably know if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time. So why don't we introduce you to one of them? Because Randy Sobel's over here and John Farrar's over there. Hello, hello. Hey, five years. And for you, it's like four. But yeah, you a still over, get... a little over four. But you still get to celebrate in the full five because you were there from the very beginning, you know? Yeah, I remember hearing about you guys and then listening to the first couple episodes and being like, yeah, this is something right up my alley. Like, we're going to talk about being there kind of from the beginning and talking about bootlegs and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I remember being in from the very beginning. Uh, Yeah, I look forward to listening every week. And now we've gotten into this position where it's just insane that, you know, we've been able to gather people up together for events and those events have sold out extremely quickly and 
like we just kind of keep i don't know like talking to people and people know who we are and know what we've done for the community and i guess to me like i hold that in such a huge high regard because that was one of my things from very early on that i wanted to accomplish out of this podcast was to make a couple friends was to make sure that i didn't have to go to shows alone again if i didn't want to so at least that mission is accomplished but what the mission of this episode is we did a five-year anniversary zoom last week where we got to talk to all these great people that have helped us throughout the years and we're going to run the whole thing and we'll have some little breaks here and there where we'll get to talk to Matt Helbig, who was the original co-host for the show. We'll get in to talk about a couple other things, little interstitial things here and there. And towards the end, we'll do our top five favorite episodes of all time. So you'll want to stick around for that. But first, I'm actually going to toss to myself because I essentially did something very similar to what we just talked about here. But we're going to toss to that and see how it all came together and just hear what I got to say on essentially how the whole thing was put together and some of the things that have happened to the show in the five years that have really helped push this to be the best that this can be. So here it is. Take a listen. We'll be back in a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you all for being here. Um, five years ago doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll just put it that way. Five years ago, um, personally, in a situation where I'm like a year away from getting married and I'm a year out of getting fired from my old job. I guess you could say laid off, but I like to say fired because fuck them. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, like I was kind of like this crossroads of like, I don't want to work for my parents kind of deal, but I need, I, I have the time where I can be doing something else. And the stars all sort of kind of aligned at the same time. So that boredom got me thinking about, Hey, this was an idea that I had when I was working all the time that I could never do because it was too much to handle. And it, on the 2018 tour, we did the fantasy league for the first time. We had two different leagues and, you know, conversing in those leagues and getting to know everybody. It was, wasn't something that I had really done within the Pearl Jam community before. And I really wanted to just reach out and have more friends and, and find basically, you know, what would become the idea for the podcast. A, a third of it would be, an outlet for me to find people to connect with and, you know, basically promise myself that, you know, I'd at least never go to a show by myself again, at least if I had tickets by myself, at least I'd be able to meet up with somebody or something like that. So, but yeah, when doing these fantasy leagues and talking to everybody and, you know, I had always been thinking about, you know, set lists in those terms, like, oh, you know, what's what's going to open and what song goes where? And I've seen this how many times and how many times has this one played? So that whole summer was like me just kind of heightening my curiosity about that because of the numbers that we were putting together in fantasy. And I got to using live footsteps a lot 
at that time, you know, after every show I would go see, Oh, they didn't play this show last tour, whatever. And it's been obviously a valuable, valuable resource ever since. And also the other thing that I was doing, cause I did have a lot of time that I was driving was I was listening to single podcast theory a lot and I have to give them credit. You know, I, they were the first ones that were here. And I thought to myself, like, these guys are connecting with all these people and like everybody wants to be around them. Everybody wants to gravitate towards. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't want, like, I, I want it. I want that too, but I don't want to like step on their toes or anything like that. So what can I do? So what can I do? So Matt? Yeah. So I brought up the idea to him because he's, you know, obviously a, a very uh, respected musician and, and an expert on a lot of these things. And I thought that, you know, with my kind of storytelling ability and his analysis that we can kind of create this thing where we could just talk about live shows and go back and put all of the stories together. And a lot of it was, I want to go back to talking to people who were there and tell all of those stories. So yeah. Um, from there, it was just like, that was a big piece of it. Like I felt like when looking into shows more that I knew nothing compared to what I thought I knew. And what I thought I knew was the measly 18 shows and 18 shows is pretty good, but like 18 shows out of over 1500 or so, however many they've done to this point is uh, there's a lot left where you can kind of dig in. So I started to, I started to dig in and, and this podcast continues to allow me to keep digging in a, a little bit more here and there. And that's why I love it so much. Cause you can't know everything. You just can't know everything, especially all at once. So that's kind of how it all kind of came together. And I remember like thinking about, okay, well, single podcast there does have a name that's like connected to Pearl jam. What would be a name that we could do? And essentially when I told Matt that I had this idea, I said, hey, do you want to do this? And we'll call it Live on Four Legs. And it stuck right away. So if anybody ever wanted to know the history of how Live on Four Legs, the name came about, well, there you go. I just gave it to you. And yeah, from there, it's had its major ups. It's had some downs. And, you know, I started writing down a laundry list of things that I was proud of that we're doing we've done in five years and i thought that oh i'd I'd mentioned like a lot of my favorite episodes and mentioned a lot of things that went on in the pod and and what it turned out being was i mentioned a couple episodes but a lot of the things that i mentioned were things involving directly involving you guys and directly involving the people that have grown to be a part of this whether it was last year in Vegas doing karaoke on the spot, whether it was last year in St. Louis, all getting together for an amazing day and an amazing charity function, whether it was just like, you know, right now what we're doing, another karaoke event and putting together a raffle. We'll talk about that later. It felt like that one third of things that I wanted to do and accomplish was there. And I, truly was able to make all of the friends 
that I wanted to and meet all of the people and be a part of this community. And I have everybody else but me to thank because without that COVID could have been the worst thing on the planet. Um, who knows what my show intake would have been uh, in 2022 had I had not taken this chance. And really, I, I like, I am so excited to go to these shows because Pearl Jam is playing, but I'm excited to be there because I get to see everybody. And that has just been a really big thing for me that I guess the podcast has sort of led to. So I really, truly want to thank everybody for that. Well, I want to turn it over to John now because John's story is very important too. So, um, do you now, John, you were like the first person to get involved in all of this from, you know, maybe yeah. week one or so and he emailed and, you know, at times you were hard on us. You were hard on that specifically. Yeah. We um, would, uh, we would go back and forth a lot. Cause you guys, remember Matt had some opinions about some things and I was really getting into podcasts at the time. And I had never been on one before. I always thought of myself as more like a behind the scenes guy. My like, okay, I'll, I, these guys, like they, they're, they're starting this ambitious project. Um, it's going to be a long-term thing. They've got the personality, but I was like, well, I can, I started emailing like, you you guys are just wrong about this and me and matt would go back and forth about different things like good naturedly of course but it got to the point i think around um you guys had talked about doing uh atlanta and and i was like oh yeah you know i think i don't remember if you asked me to be a guest or if i volunteered. No, i think you donated to patreon so we gave it to right you. right um after aurelian i think i was one of the first two or three um but yeah, I got to. You guys were nice enough to to let me on and come uh, come hang out and talk, and it was like a fun two and a half hours. That was my first ever time being on a podcast before Deprogrammed, before Better Band, before any of that. So, uh, I that really kind of set it up for me. Like, okay, like that was super cool. Like, we had a really good talk, went back and forth, and then um, a couple of, a couple of months later, getting to come back and do the Charlotte show, which I went to. That I think is even better of an episode i think i was a little more comfortable a little more comfortable talking to you guys and then i got into the point where i was uh you know i would text with randy gave me his number we'd go back and forth and then the word came out the next spring that matt was gonna have to step back and you know randy's like i don't know what i'm gonna do like and i was like hey man if you I'm, I'm interested if you're, if you're looking for someone, I'd be, I'd be happy to jump in. He was like, well, you know, got, got a couple of people in mind. Um, what we'll do is, you know, pick an episode and we'll record like a test run of something, see how it goes. And we did that. I think that was soldier field, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was yeah. soldier field. And we yeah. both end up saying, you know what, this is it. Yeah. And, uh, and I think he was ended up being like, I think we had had, uh, we'd had Chris, um, on board as well and yeah the thought yeah. about that was that we'd turn into like instead of live on four legs being two and two it would be everybody put one foot in sure. and 
it didn't really end up that way. Like Chris Buckley was a good guest for when he was there, but he didn't have any interest in like being a part of this. I don't even know where he is right now. (laughs) I don't know if he's going to any shows. I haven't spoken to him since Mm. two years. And, you know, I I apologize profusely that he got to interview the frills and not you because it (laughs) shouldn't have been him. It is. It is what it is. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we, but we had had talks about it and you were like, you know, yeah, I want to, I want to change it up a little bit. I want to, I want this to be the start of a, of a new era. I want to start incorporating some different things and really kind of take this to the next level. And I had some ideas. I think we had talked about, we started, you guys gone through the, the episodes were very long. If you guys remember going song by song and dissecting every single song, which is great. But we really wanted to get it down to more palatable format. So I was like, well, we, we'll break the songs up into groups. I had some ideas that I brought. Um, Randy was gracious enough to talk about them. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's start and make this like a new chapter. So the podcast took like a month off. Um, we worked on some things, sent ideas back and forth. And then, yeah, I ended up coming back with that, with that Soldier Field episode. And it was felt really good about it and i felt like i had kind of found a place where like not you know, randy and i are different kinds of fans you guys know from listening that he's he listens to things one way and and feels about certain things one way and i kind of do things a different way my own way so i felt like we really kind of complimented each other well and he was like yeah you know if you if you want it you're in and i was like sounds good and it's just been i mean that it's hard to believe that that was four years ago but um, I've been happy to be on board ever since. You've been a really good co-host. I don't know if I tell you that a lot, but you've been a really good co-host. And uh, I think from for as much as I talk, you're completely the opposite in that case. And that's why people are saying, John, I've never seen what you look like before. But that's just that's just your style. That's just yep. kind of how it goes. But like instead of I've always been more comfortable in the background being the face for radio, role. right? And uh, exactly. And uh, yeah, this is this has been really good uh, for me as well to like to kind of step in and and force me to to listen to things a certain way. I think it's it's deepened my like appreciation for not only Pearl Jam and what they do, but just music in general. Like I listen to music differently now from from doing this show every week and try to be more critical and always trying to push myself and we push each other to, to do better and always looking at like, what can we do better? Like this year, adding Javier in and, and doing those segments and looking to see like what guests we could get and what angle are we going to do? And we're always, and when the shows came back, like I said, that was a huge deal. Like, what are we going to do? We're going to be at these shows. We want to make that a big deal. So yeah, we, we just always want to keep doing more and more and make it bigger and better. It was refreshing when you came in, John, because it was, I was able to look at it from the perspective that I always wanted to look at it, like really dissect things and dissect the why instead of maybe the what. And I think that like, it really, it took, it took a while to find where we are now. I think, I think that there were definitely little hints between 2019 and 2020 where you can say, okay, like that, that, that has some momentum there, that episode, they worked on it really hard, but I think it really wasn't until Wrigley, the Wrigley series changed it all for me. It was the fact that we got really ambitious on doing a full month worth of 
all five Wrigley shows all consecutively. And not only that, but it was our first real big attempt of getting people like Stephen Hyden and Jonathan Cohen and Dr. John Evans joined us and Rob Bleedstein and Bob Krause joined us. And there were people that were known around the community and known writers and known like we hadn't consistently had that. We had one amazing interview, maybe one of the best that we've had to this date and uh, probably the most famous person that we've had on the show. And that's a WWE wrestler edge who I still kind of talked to at the time. Uh, He, I'm trying to convince him to go to Chicago. I don't know what his schedule is like, but um, yeah, that was, that was a pretty huge deal because that whole episode, we were able to kind of break some news through the wrestling world and all that and, and on and on and on. But that Wrigley series, I, I felt like the way that we covered all that made it feel like, we're onto something and we can really tell these stories the way they deserve to be told. Yeah. The Wrigley thing was like the first real like ambitious thing that we tried to do where we had done edge and that had done really well. It had crossed over a lot of, of segments that, that a, a Pearl Jam podcast normally wouldn't. And I think the Wrigley thing was like, let's, let's try to go big and, and try to tell some stories. And it wasn't only the, the guests and the interviews, it was, you know, you for a big part of it was bring right in, tell us your stories. And like, we'll, we'll do this whole episode of just telling stories. And we'd never done that before. We weren't sure if anyone was going to do it, but it ended up, we ended up having to do two. It ended up, we needed so many, we had to do, I think a two-parter. Um, and I remember really the end of the first part where yeah. we were just both like, yeah, this can't continue tonight. Cause we were yeah. going on like two and a half yeah. hours. Yep. And and that gave us a lot of a lot of momentum going forward. And really, I think boy, that that second year, especially for me, especially gave me a lot more confidence and a lot more momentum to go forward and be like, all right, we can we can push this thing and and make it into make it into something pretty cool. All right. So I don't think that it's possible to do a five year anniversary show without half of the team that made this podcast what it was in the beginning and i don't think we're here today without him uh unfortunately he couldn't make that five-year party that we've been sharing clips from all episode but he is right here right now ladies and gentlemen the first co-host of live before legs this would be matt helbig oh what's up hey buddy good to see it's been a while i got when's the last time you were on the show i don't i i think i remember but i'll save that for later (laughs) let's start with this five years ago we were doing the fantasy league and you know we were kind of like you were busy you had stuff that were that was going on but i had next to nothing and i got in touch with you like probably sent you this long ass text like just stream of consciousness text because sometimes i can do that and i said to you look I really want to start a podcast about Pearl Jam and I want it to be all focusing on live shows. And I think in the first text, I said, it's going to be called live on four legs. So when you got that text from me, what were you thinking about? So yeah, I forgot that we had done the the league before we started the podcast. And that's how we kind of, you know, met a lot of the people that became, um, you know, just a, a, a huge part of the podcast uh, themselves. 
which was really great too. And that was really fun to kind of meet new people that way and then blossom it into a podcast, which, you know, it's a podcast. There's thousands out there. And uh, sometimes you never know which one to listen to. But uh, I'm glad people actually listen to this one, <laughs> you know? Uh, so when you brought it up, I was like, oh, that sounds like something that had to have been done by now, you know? But it wasn't. Uh, there were people doing podcasts that would touch upon it, but it wasn't specific. So I thought it was a really cool idea. So you get to listen to a lot of music and um, really kind of figure out what you love about the band, uh, what they do. You try to get into their heads a little bit, which is with this band kind of hard to do because you know, they'll, they'll just switch it up on you. And then you have no idea what they're thinking. So that that's in itself is also another really fun part of it. Uh, and then, you know, hearing episodes now, that's uh, another exciting thing. You know, you go into a show that you've never heard before and it's like, oh, should I look up the set or maybe the bootleg beforehand? It's like, no, no, no. Let me just listen to what th they're going to run down. And then I could, I could listen to it with, you know, all the stats and stuff said, uh, uh, beforehand, then I'll listen to the bootleg and be like, "Oh yeah, okay." Now I know kind of the story behind that and the numbers behind that, and yeah, it's it was, it was a cool idea. I'm glad it's still going, and I I listen every week. Yeah, I, I know you guys when you when you were starting out, you wanted to do shows that you both had been to, and the first you know episode was was Fenway. What was it like that first week before that first episode? Where did you guys talk about like what the format was going to be? Did you go back and listen to the show? Like, what was that week right up to the first episode like? I think uh, <laughs> I think we knew, or <laughs> I think we thought we knew exactly what we were doing, and yes. that this is going to be easy, and that this was going to be you know straightforward. And uh, unfortunately, it was straightforward, but. Uh, there's way too much you have to do to keep this interesting. Uh, straightforward only goes so far. I think leading up to it was like, great. So uh, we went to these shows. We went to some of these shows together. This is going to be super easy. All we have to do is talk. And, and that's it. But uh, <laughs> Well, you know, the, the first week is really, you know, going to Fenway and putting yeah. together the shirts and trying to market the whole ordeal and trying to get people to come to our event that we had spent a lot of time putting together. That is what we put the time and effort to. And it was like, well, an ep the episode, that's going to be easy. You know, re recording an episode, that's, we weren't even thinking about that. We were thinking about, okay, we got to get the merch ready. We got to get the, uh, we got to get there to the bar at a certain time. We have to make sure our stuff is out so people can find us. We have to social media. We have to yada, yada, yada. And then the show happens, and then we do the meetup and yada, yada. And then a week later, we go, okay, we didn't think about actually recording this thing at all. Uh, it was all about the lead up and meeting people and, and all that. And it's like, okay, well, now we have to actually do the show. And how hard can that be? <laughs> <laughs> things just sort of kind of happen. And, and really, I think it was easy to do the first two episodes because we were just reacting to what we saw literally days. I think we recorded the first episode a couple of days after those shows happened. And then a couple of days after that, we recorded the second night, which you were at, but 
like we had fresh stories in our heads but then a little while later we had to kind of go back and kind of adjust to stories from like 2009 and 2013 and, and stuff like that but there is one thing from the fenway shows that really kind of cemented to me like what we were supposed to do for the podcast and that was that interview that we had with the couple that got engaged during night one you remember that oh yeah yeah definitely they were really nice uh uh, they got engaged to uh it was was it given to fly they got engaged to? it was yep and did, did they open night two with that they did yeah that's and right it, it was like and we looked at each other like and we find them in the crowd because they're probably the ones going the craziest right now it was just one of those things that worked out perfectly and it was like okay great so um yeah this is going to be so easy because we already have this wonderful story to start the podcast with like how could this be hard how you know this is this was like handed to us on, on a silver platter you know and we get the interview from them which went really well they were really nice um you know the sound quality probably sucked back then we didn't know what we were doing and just put a phone in someone's face ignore the crowd you know walking around uh, fenway park behind you but uh and then they open with that song and it's like great we, we, there's so much to go off of here. We're going to have so much content. Yeah, and it was a great show to boot. So you're right. There was no lack of uh, the content for, for episode two. And and look, I've gone back and I've actually listened to episode one because it's kind of one of those things like you always kind of like to listen to the pilot sometimes to just see how completely different things are now. And I mean, what was, what was that one like four hours long, probably? No, no, that one was shorter than we, you know, what what would be episodes later, State College in Ottawa and all that. That yeah, was like sure. maybe an hour 30 or an hour 40, something like that. The, like uh, average time in current live on four legs situation. But I think the criticism that we started to get from the first episode, I remember this, is that people didn't love my comparison that I made to the whole Bono thing because I was com complaining about Bono. That probably wasn't good first episode material right there because people do like you too. And I have I'm expressed... Sorry. I'm laughing right now. That's hilarious. <laughs> I have expressed my distaste for you two on the podcast before, but to start with that, you know, we were, we were given something. We had to kind of work off of something. And basically those two speeches... The one that he gave from Fenway Night One and the one that he gave MSG in 2010 were basically exactly the same, so we needed to bring it up, you know. For sure, for sure. I think uh, I think we were bringing up stuff so fast, and it's like I don't think we gave anyone the chance to to kind of warm up to us at all. <laughs> we were yeah, like, we're like, no, no, we're we're the ones putting this out, so you're going to listen to every word we have to say. Uh, which which you have to be a little softer. I think, and um, I know you don't care for Bono. I know I don't care for Bono, but I don't think we realize that there are people that do care for Bono. So. Right, and it's not like John is a sympathizer on the other side that can help us out. Oh, yeah, uh, that makes three of us for the, for the not caring. <laughs> all the YouTube fans right now are going to get all the letters. All now, you know, now you know, you know, you say something and you're like, you know what, let me just take that again because uh, I just... I went on a Bono rant for like 10 minutes and, and it just, it 
it doesn't need to be there. And now it's right. You know, it's yeah. It's it's part of the growing. <laughs> well, I, it's it's funny that we mentioned that because look, John was an early writer into live on four legs early on early person that was just checking in and it got to a point where you two were kind of like button heads a little bit on opinions there like john would get a little upset if we weren't spending more times on certain songs and kind of bringing the best out of those songs instead of finding either spending time on the rare songs or the songs that had interesting statistics. Cause that was my thing very early on. It was all statistics. Your thing has always been like, focus on what they're doing musically focus on like, are they playing this the right way? All of that. But you know, you guys did butt heads a little bit in the early on because we weren't getting to the exciting factors about what makes a Pearl Jam show special, and you were right by that. Well, not real. Well, it, you know what? It's it, it. It takes a little while to to figure out um, what is important to talk to, and and you start to as you go through the episodes, it's like you start to you pick up on the different trends and and why this is more important. And yeah, no, I'm I'm sure John was probably right about. Uh, you're probably right about at least half of it that you were talking about. I'm, I'm sure you were because you, you start to see that as you go along and start to do it more. Cause you start to listen to it more and you start to figure out what's actually more important. What uh, is, you know, longer lasting, uh, what means more to people uh, that, that just comes with the experience. So when, you know, John, you've listened to them for a long time and, you know, you had a lot of knowledge going in as well. So you definitely, I think you had the knowledge, uh, uh, to to make those arguments, so I think you were one hundred percent right. Um, and also, I you know uh, when you get into episode, well, you you know you're in the two forties now, right? So it's like, oh yeah, almost two fifty. Uh, yeah, so you you start to do more interesting shows too. I uh, mean, we might not have started with the most interesting of shows, you know. Uh, so as you, you're moving along, uh, you see kind of what John was was getting at at that point because everything just starts to get more interesting and you just start to learn more and you start to figure out you know what's kind of you know what's worth talking about you know and what's not you know i think we we left a lot of fat in there that we could have trimmed and uh we might have yeah and you know after you go along and you listen to the episodes and you're doing these episodes and you're researching so much more you realize um uh, I guess it could be kind of frustrating too. What's not important in one episode, the next episode, the same song could be very important. So, but then because start, of other songs that come up later in that episode, oh, you focus less time on what's yeah. more important in that certain song. Yes, exactly. Well, think, exactly. Yeah. I think my thing early on was like, Randy was very academic, like you said, with the stats and like would go through and have these, you know, things and talk about every song and this and this and and Matt, you were very critical and like, you know, talking about, you know, very coming from a musical background and like you guys remember the condition critical button? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> condition critical. <laughs> and I think my thing was like get to the feel. Like it's like Pearl Jam is about it's about the feel. It's not it's not about the technical ability. It's not about the the academia. It's about the the feeling and like the power and like the intangible stuff. And I that's where I think we, Matt and I, went back and forth a lot. And it kind of did become like this kind of rivalry eventually, like once I got on the show a couple <laughs> of times. And it was like, 
we were going to do a whole thing with like a showdown and like, yeah, I was but, trying uh, to encourage it yeah, in that show yeah. episode. And both of you were like, mm, no, don't feel like it. Yeah. But I, like, I think that that was my thing is like, get to more of the, the thing that people connect with, like the feeling, the power, the intangible stuff. That's, that's what I felt like I wanted to see more of. And like what I tried yeah. to bring when I joined in. For sure. And uh, you, d- I think you guys definitely found that happy medium now, you know, I, I enjoy listening so much more because I, I hear that medium there. Um, cause every now and then you'll be like, you know, I don't know if that worked so much or whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Or I'll say, no way that totally worked. That was totally great. And then you'll, you know, sometimes you say, oh, that was totally great. That was a uh, perfect performance, whatever. And I'll say, oh, I thought that was terrible. You know, so, but it's, it's fun to listen to it now and, uh, and to hear more of that, the, the, the medium take, not so much just facts and figures and not so much just technical performance, but the combination of the two, which is, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it doesn't matter if, you know, you play a song bad. It doesn't mean it's bad, you know? Now, I think I got to talk about the beast that is State College, because that has kind of gone down in Live on Four Legs lore as if you can get through it, then many, many, many props to you. It is a near four-hour episode. It is long, <laughs> amazingly longer than the actual show itself. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and it did feel, I'm going to be like completely honest, like we had a conversation that day that I don't think either of us came out thinking very positively on. I don't remember what was said, but we were kind of heading in directions that it was sort of saying, all right, this is not going to work for a little bit in the, in the time being. We knew how busy you were, but it was also like because I was expecting to trim this down significantly and try and look from different perspectives as well. So do you remember that? Do you remember our conversation that we had before State College? I don't think so. Okay. It was a text conversation, so I know sometimes that doesn't really stick. But what do you remember about that episode besides it went on for fucking ever? I I wish I remembered more. I wish I remembered why we, like, (laughs) outdid, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, James Cameron movies, and in 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 terms of length, <laughs> like, uh, why was that episode longer than like Oppenheimer? I don't know. I don't really remember. I might have just. We watched. spent like ten to fifteen minutes on just mankind and Satan's bed, just on their own. Well, I could probably I say off. I could probably say off the top of my head that <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I still stand by it. Sometimes mankind is just stupid. So I, you know, I might maybe I I might have had that. Watch it. Watch for- it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Sometimes it's really good, and even sometimes I could say, you know, with like aborted versions or just mess up versions, like, all right, that was fun. I, if I spent that much time on it, I'm I'm I might have found it uh, exceptionally bad. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not wrong, but it was oh, oh, wait, kind no. of a moment in time, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think like Satan's Bed that hadn't been played for like 10 years or something. No, uh, 2000, yeah, pretty close, a long time, close, and like um, eight, nine, yeah, yeah. I think, 
was this maybe one where we might have gone off topic because uh, I do not care for their improvs and their jams because Pearl Jam is not a jam band. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pro- that sounds about right because there were a lot of improvs at that show. Okay, stuff so that, that a lot of like, people hold very very highly. That's got to be that, that's got to be like an hour right there. <laughs> <laughs> And poor Patrick that was sitting on the other side of this, like, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because it's like, uh, I'm sure maybe I was a little with certain things over because it's a legendary show, of course. I was actually just talking to uh, a friend of ours, Randy uh, Jeff Sluker, who was at that show. Oh, he was? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. He said he's got some regrets, though, because he was just a stupid young kid. And, you know, he, uh, I think he, they cut out early to go to like a frat party or something because they just no. didn't, they didn't, they didn't really know what they were, what they were for. He's got the poster though, I believe. So that's, that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I think, I think that show, I had a lot of uh, reputation behind it. So it was like, we need to really dig in and we probably didn't have to. I think, I think the format that goes on now would have been <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> Uh, appropriate yeah well shortly after that you know um there were some episodes where i was doing solely just with guests and trying to get by and you told me for the episode right before we were doing my first ever show msg in 2008 night two that that was going to be your last official episode as an ongoing member of this podcast so what was what was it like you know having like you know i don't want to say like what was it like having to leave the podcast but like what you know are there any regrets for it like do do you wish that you could have stuck around with it or knowing what we know now are you happy the way that things turned out uh no i mean i i i love doing it and uh i would you know if i could ever you know come on and uh you know do a guest spot i I, you know i did a guest spot with john you know a couple years ago when you were you were away and it it was super fun like i still love it uh the the setlist draft was a blast that night i had so much fun that night too um so no and and you know of course i still listen because i i would i love to be involved with it um it really was just you know um at the time was work we were kind of uh you know i'm i'm in a wedding band which is like the main kind of gig um when i say that it's the it's the one i make the most money with so we were doing we're kind of in a transition period there with the band we were going to a um it's within our company but we actually own our own llc within the company so we had a lot more freedom and they tell you hey when you do this uh you might see a big dip in work because it's mostly word of mouth and recommendations and a lot less of the uh, company pushing you at their price. We have more freedom. Uh, but since we had been doing it already for years and years, uh, we actually saw a huge spike in business. So, um, you know, I was just playing a lot more. And with that, it's like, you know, when you're doing podcast stuff, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, sometimes on like the Thursday, I have time to learn the songs for the Saturday wedding. But then all of a sudden, every weekend was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's like, okay, well, now I need to go back and I'm, I'm going to need more time to learn this first dance, this parent dance, whatever. And now it's tripled. So we were very lucky with that, but um, there just weren't enough days in the week, unfortunately. Uh, 
So that that was really the only reason because uh, I I love doing it. It was fun. I got to you know I got to bullshit with my friends and meet new people and uh, listen to uh, a lot of music. So yeah, you know it was purely uh, you know just just work. You know sometimes that life gets in the way, unfortunately, and you know you just learn to kind of figure it out and uh, you know um, space your time out a little better, I guess. You know, I think it was just kind of one of those things where, yeah, because, you know, we didn't even mention this, that we've been best friends since we were about five or six. Yeah, so probably like second grade or so, right? First grade, second grade, whatever grade it was. Yeah. yeah. I think we were in first grade together. And I think so, too. Yeah. And, and not only was I, like, recognizing that I was doing something that I really liked, but... I liked the fact that I was doing it with my best friend who throughout our whole entire lives, we've created content and fun stuff together. And every time we've done it, it felt like we loved it so much that it didn't matter. Like, ah, it doesn't matter if the audio sucks. It doesn't matter this. Cause we just had a blast doing it. You know, so yeah, and, like, and, and we did, de- we definitely, <laughs> we definitely made some pretty ridiculous things to where this was actually um, the most, I think this was the most serious idea that you had ever had, uh, <laughs> which was, yeah, cause, uh, I, I, we do not have time to even scratch the surface of, of, of our, our little high school production company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. That was a lot probably, of fun. But you could probably do a podcast on that topic all all by itself. I'll be listening to that. <laughs> Even after I record, I'll be listening to that. Well, um, I'm out of questions for you, dude. I think we covered everything. You know, I can ask you to sit here. What's your favorite episode from the time? But you know, you're listening every week, and it seems like you're just enjoying the content. So that's that's it. That's all we ask. You know what I mean? Like, it, and it's crazy because you're. You know, you're still kind of like with us as like one of, you know, the builders for this, but also it's it's interesting to see you interact with other people and talking about the podcast with other people because it's like, hey, I used to do this and I don't think that the brand new people that have been only following for like a year realize that, you know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. I I still love listening. Uh love having those moments where I could you know, one of you guys say you didn't really like it that much, and I say that's the best performance I've ever heard. Or someone says I really, you know, like that, and I say that's the worst performance I've ever heard. Like I still like kind of screaming at the radio. It's fun. I feel like you're kind of you're kind of right in the car with me. You know, it's because I know you guys, and you know, I, I know uh, all the research that goes into it. And so, uh, so uh, you know, I like agreeing and disagreeing too uh, on my on my own to myself yelling. Yelling at you guys through the airwaves, you know. I can hear it. Trust me, I can hear it. <laughs> when you say, "I know like, when it's happening," yeah. When you say, "Like, oh yeah, I didn't really think that was that great," you you hear like that distant Matt scream in the background, like, "What are you insane? That was the best performance they've ever done of it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, thank you for coming in and celebrating this anniversary milestone with us, and I'm sure we'll see you back well before. The 10 year anniversary where i'm sure more 
people that have come in and listened to this show will probably have no idea who you were, but we'll spend another hour talking to you. So, man, you it's know. just it, going back that far to listen to episode one is just uh, it just seems like a challenge. I don't recommend it. Just pick it up where <laughs> pick it up where you're leaving off. You got yeah, plenty of sh- I, you got plenty of shows to cover. You know, I, uh, I tell people that yeah, anything before the Wrigley series, I think maybe doesn't need to be touched up on. Then there's good episodes before the Wrigley series for sure, but take it from Wrigley and you'll kind of get a sense of what the podcast is and then just go forward wherever you want and you'll be good. There's a little tail end there of what it was, you know, like kind of like it's, it's right at that transition period to where things really started to get more tighter and, and more kind of, uh, you know, immersive for everybody where there's, so much to do now with it's not just a podcast there's a lot there's activities you know there's yeah. a lot you could do there's a lot of participation which is uh is uh i mean i, I don't know I, the podcast i listen to i don't think has anywhere near the participation that, that this one does you know everybody that listens to this podcast is is kind of a co-host in their own way or could be with your patreon donation for ten dollars a month Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have to play. I'm gonna as have you, to play as that. You, as you Do you remember on. that the who you are thing? Oh, dude! Of course, of course. The yeah. the, the, <laughs> the, the, the old outro, the old outro. Of course, uh, don't play it. I think it's uh, your. Oh no! I'm gonna play it. Uh, the, the, the station identification so much better now. But all right, you know, do do what you must. <laughs> Just for this must. episode, since we're we're going back and reliving memories. So super nostalgic episode. I see. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Well, guys, let's go back into the party and some of the interviews that we did in the party. So here is the next one we got for you. I want to talk to a couple people. I'm going to try and talk to everybody that I can throughout the night. Hey, Marty, you're still here, right? Martin, still here. Just, hey, just about getting ready to go to bed. Late there, too. So so I'll uh, I'll talk to you first, then I'll talk to Aurelian right after. But I think, you know... Um, when I first, I, I, and granted, like you're Marty Higgins, you can see you around all over the place. You are always trying to get people riled up and like, Hey, got some big thing going on here and all for good reasons. And that's why I love you so much. And we're such good friends that like it just keep that community together and keep that train rolling. And, and you just have so many good people in sounds of Scotland to, to do it with. But when I saw that you were doing the grunge fest and I wanted to inquire more, had you and Colin come in on the show and that really felt like I was trying, I was figuring out like what good this community can do when people kind of get together and have something that they want to fight for. And every time I'm talking to you, Marty, you have that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Am I wrong? Yeah. I got a little bit of a passion for this sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I have a bit of a background in fundraising and stuff like that. And, it kind of, I've done it for the last 15 or 20 years, but probably the last five or six, it's been very Pearl Jam, Sounds of Seattle focused around some some t-shirts and merch that we've done over the last five or six years and raised a, a bunch of money for Diabetes UK over here in Scotland. I, I think I think we're probably going to break a hundred grand. That's amazing. Uh, over, so over the over the last five years, which is uh, which is brilliant, and you know, 
I, I love that. I love this community. I love this. I love this. You know, we just I'm, it's two thirty in Scotland. I should be in my bed. You know, but I was so I I I tried to stay up late, Randy. I was like, it's one thirty. I can I can stay another thirty minutes. Ah, fuck it. Let's just stay up till two. You know, to to be part of this and to and to be part of the 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 wider Pearl Jam stuff and you know the fantastic stuff that we've got organised for Chicago. Uh, you know, and 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 just over just over two weeks with the karaoke, um, I just think we've got I just think we've got a great community. I I, I think we've got there's a whole bunch of people out there. Like I, I'm seeing so many names that I recognise down the right hand side that have uh, have bought a Pearl Jam Scotland T-shirt, who've donated to a raffle. You know, a whole bunch of people. So you know, I don't think that'll ever ever leave me. You know, I think it'll always uh, it'll always stick with me. This uh, this community that we that we've got, you know, and uh, I think the 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 absolute key th- the the thing that really got me was uh, when you put those tickets on sale for the karaoke and how quickly they sold out. Oh my god! <laughs> I was on my phone all day. Refreshing, refresh. Okay, we have twenty tickets left. Oh, well, we now have three. It yeah, took no, twelve like, hours I, before we were sold out of the first hundred. And, and initially, as I was like, "This is going to take us two weeks to sell these out," <laughs> well, <laughs> and it, it was, was twenty-four hours. It was funny. I think we had because at first we were like, "All right, let's just make sure that people that we're really close with are able to get in and all that." And it sort of turned into like. And I wanted to to post it to the community and everything like that. And it became like, oh, we've already had like 65 or so sold. We have to get this out so other people have an <laughs> attempt to get in. Thankfully, we were given uh, 32 more entries from the bar and the bar has been really cool about it. And uh, this is going to, this is going to be a blast. This is going to be a real yeah. blast. Um, do you know what's really good before I do disappear is uh, I think if we had a whole uh, karaoke hall for 2000, we would have sold it out. Yeah. It's possible. In, in, in Chicago for the sex. And, <laughs> and what it does is it gives, it gives me amazing confidence that somewhere down the line, Randy in 2025 or 2026, whenever Pearl Jam toured again in America, we're going to we're going to have the best karaoke night ever in some city with two thousand people in it, and we're just going to do it. We're going to do amazing stuff. Well, so listen, I, I'm not going to be there. You're going to be you're going to be missing me. So the next time I'm going to be there, and I'm going to bring the house down. You guys need to watch out. John John thought it was a competition at first. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to win." I'm like, "We're all just like hanging out, just having." fun like no no randy as a competition <laughs> i'm going to win <laughs> oh it's competition you say oh it's competition See, oh, now yeah, i take yeah. it seriously yeah, yeah. because i know that john wasn't there so it's like eh, who cares what he's saying but if it's competition you want i i already have you and all of the scots on hand to do last kiss well, oh, where, oh, where can my baby be <laughs> so i said randy I'll, I'll sign off by just saying thank you uh, for live on four legs for everything you've done in the last five years for inviting me and Colin on four years ago yeah giving us a bit of a platform for what we did so I really appreciate that that was a that was a really nice thing to do and give us a little bit of a springboard for what we do over here in Scotland so uh, hats off to you my friend thank you sir I have to return the thank you to you because that was a huge deal I kind of was going over 
the things today and I was thinking to myself like, oh, remember the whole set list reveal thing that we did and how like massive that turned into and how, you know, we went from like a, you know, 300 followers to like 2000 in the span of less than 24 hours. And, you know, just the fact that like you told us and you were, and uh, I think it was, who is it? Steven that went, or is it somebody else? No, Robert, Robert Miller. Yeah. Yeah, That he was gracious enough to let us share it. And this was a set list and we worked with Dave, live footsteps who we're going to talk to in a little bit. And we went and kind of double checked and we were like, yeah, like this is a legit set list. Like that doesn't come at all. So I really, I thank you guys for trusting us to do good with that. And, you know, again, if you have any other set list, we would love to do that with us too. (laughs) (laughs) Keep throwing it our way. Thanks, Randy. Uh, I'll sign off now. Good night, chaps. Good see you in Chicago, buddy. Good night. Good night, Katie. See you Good. in a few weeks. <laughs> uh, let's get her early in here because Aurelian is uh, from France. And John kind of mentioned it before. We had about, like, I want to say, like, the core four of the people that started following us and started really listening every week. And those core four are John, Aurelian, Bradley Piasecki, who I don't believe is here yet, but said he was coming, and then Patrick. And like having that core from a really, really early onset, that gave us a lot of confidence to think like if four people are into this, then others will pick up, pick up on it at some point. And, you know, from very, very early on weekly messages and emails from you really, and just, just checking in and just being like, Hey, I like this episode. I like what you had to say on this. And like that, you don't understand. And and sometimes I play it coy and I'm like, Oh, well, that's, that's no big deal. But like, you don't understand how important that was for the confidence of this podcast to continue to pump it up. And, and look, if we didn't get that, I might've said one week, I'm done. I'm done. Nobody's looking, nobody's listening. How are we going to do this? We can't fight the monster that is Facebook and Twitter algorithm with only, you know, a hundred, 200 followers, whatever we were at, but you know, you specifically out of the four really just, instilled that in us and i appreciate that so much ah thank you but you're giving me too much credit <laughs> no <laughs> i don't I, I think all of you guys deserve the same amount yeah, of credit sure. but no but for me it was uh well I, I remember listening the first episode when it came out and then waiting it was really released every friday if i remember correctly it was so every friday i was just refreshing my phone at midday i want a new episode it was it was so nice to to be able to you know i listened to bootlegs for years i uh only saw program a couple of times at the time and it was very nice to to hear other perspective and to to get your insight and to basically to learn another way to 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 listen to shows and to attend shows you no know, last year when i attended the 
um, let's say uh, most ten shows. I I'm sure I I I, I feel uh, the show quite different. I I would have felt, I would have lived the show quite differently if I had not listened to the podcast and your your perspective and to to John and to to all of the, um, the community. So I really praise you for your hard work. And uh, at one point I was kind of afraid that you were going to quit the podcast when Matt left, left. And I really have to, to give credit to John for, let's say, uh, putting a fuel in the engine to, to make sure that uh, the podcast was still up and running. Well, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, from that, from those 10 shows that you mentioned, you were gracious enough to keep a daily blog of all that. And we really got to see you on your journey. And like, it was a journey like many other people had, you know, mm -hmm. you went to four or five shows and you ended up getting COVID and missed a bunch that you were supposed to see in the middle. And then was, was it like you missed a bunch and then, the only other show that you were able to go to was Amsterdam or did you go to others before that? Cause obviously that's no, a whole story uh, in itself. No, I was able to, to get to Paris and to another one probably, but then Eddie got sick. So I missed uh, another show, but I would say it was, uh, before the last year I knew that I was, I, things would happen. So <laughs> I think we so talked I, about that, right? Yeah. I got COVID flight cancellation. Eddie's getting sick, but, uh, I would say it was a, a great tour anyway, so I, I enjoyed a lot. And thanks for encouraging me to to send you my daily report, so I I can keep track of what I've experienced because I probably have um, not a lot, all the memories in my head, but I know that it's on the website. So, and I would also thank you for giving me the opportunity at the time to to participate to to two recordings. So episode 22 and 55 some years ago. <laughs> I guess but, you do, uh, right? <laughs> but I have to give you credit for inviting uh, a French-speaking guy on your podcast because you never know. So, And and I give you a lot of credit because every time you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know, like I'm not, uh, my English isn't perfect. But like yeah. every time I tell you like, no, you're pretty goddamn good. Like you can do a podcast and be just fine. And you, every time you've joined, especially, and even right now, you're doing just fine. You are a pro at this. I'm not a pro. At <laughs> I keep trying. <laughs> you're pretending to be a pro at this. <laughs> no. But uh, now, once again, I really appreciate the podcast, the community, and the spin-off with uh, Brian and Patrick. It's always a pleasure to have these hallucinatric. Okay, it's hard for me to say, but uh, their, podcast, their podcast episode are also great. So I think you really gathered around you uh, a very nice community of like-minded like people. For, for me, it's, there's the podcast and there's also the people that you were able to, to gather around you and everyone is... I would say in a positive mood every time. And yeah. Thank you, my friend. I no, appreciate you. you. And to I John. wish you were coming to the States, uh, but yeah. it just kind of ignites the fuel knowing that maybe I should be the one going to Europe whenever they show up. Maybe next year. Who knows? Next year. Who knows? Yeah. But next I, year could I'm be. But I'm sure we'll, we'll meet at some point. Don't yeah. know when, but it will happen for sure. Yep. Yeah. Really? Are you, are you, are you going to be getting up at 3, 4 a.m. to watch live streams or are you just going to wait and see? Uh, I will probably wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'd see. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. There. All right. Okay, guys.
Yeah, get, if you, if you, yeah, get some sleep. Yeah, get some sleep. I don't well, want I would, you to. I will stay a little bit. That I, I will leave at some point. But uh, okay. once again, thanks for all the hard work and uh, cheers to all the community. Thank you, sir. Cheers to you. I really appreciate you. Let's bring in our good friend Dave Jantausch because I think without you, I think we would be lost on a lot of Pearl Jam information that is. Uh, yeah, it's completely important to the story of this band. And I and there's one specific thing that I really want to talk to you about, Dave, before right. we get into just hey, live footsteps and live on four legs have from day one had this conjunction together. But there's something really important that happened when you and I were doing a show together. Mm-hmm. And I haven't thought about it a lot until today. I, I thought about it today. And, you know, we were recording this. I want to say the date was like March 16th, 13th, somewhere in the middle there, that whole time, 2020. And we're doing the show. We're doing the show. And I look over at my phone. I'm like, oh, it's blowing up. Something's going on. And we found out the news that Pearl Jam was ahead of everybody in entertainment and they postponed everything and right from that moment like the wind was sucked out of us what do you remember from that oh god i like i was so looking forward to that tour like and you know seeing you again and and all that stuff like just like that that was that really just took all the wind out of all of our sails it was just awful that I was like, you know, your, your phone's going off. My phone's going off. Other people's phones are going off and everybody's like, Hey, you know, they're, they're shutting everything down. And like, but like at the time we're all like, why, why, why? And, you know, soon after that, everything shut down. I mean, it was, it was a weird world that just got thrown on its head. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, I remember after that, like we were in, I don't know, we were at Evenflow. I remember we were at Evenflow, but Evenflow was at the Encore. The show is Hartford 2008. If anybody wants to go back, I wish, and maybe I do, maybe I do in one of my files, but I, I hope I kept the moment where like you were in mid conversation. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. And like, we sat there for about 20 minutes. Oh yeah, you, you you had you had to edit out a lot of our just like silent like oh shit what the hell just happened right like the reality like, kicked in immediately and like obviously it's like okay show must go on we got to finish this thing but like I remember we were just like okay let's just breeze through this because and then have to obviously address it since it's real fresh on my end it's, it's total it's totally vulnerable and it's uh, like i think that's an, a very important if you're looking at like history of our show like a very important piece that puts this all together especially on the just the connection with you know where we are touring wise and where this band story is in conjunction to what we were doing at the time and we were yeah it was deflating it was deflating. Yeah. And like I had, I had tickets to Madison Square Garden and I had never been to a Pearl Jam show there. I was so psyched. I'm like, we're going in a couple weeks, you know, everything. And then I'm like, 
are you kidding me? Like, really? Yeah. And I held, I held on to those tickets. My brother and I held on, held on to those tickets, and we ended up going there. And yep, and then I met up with you. I mean, I, I know we met before that, but like, oh, we had a that, whole car that, ride to Jersey together. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, and then of course I go to the Masters Square Garden, ended up getting COVID and missing, you know, uh, what was it, uh, Jersey? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that really sucked. And I, like you're you're on the road, you're like, where are you? Where are you? I'm like, I'm in bed right now. <laughs> Like, <laughs> he's like, I just tested positive. That sucked. Um, all of your contributions to the Pearl Jam community can't be discounted at all. Um, tell everybody oh, like how, you. yeah. Tell everybody like how you got started with that. And then since we were doing what we were doing, like how, you know, like how did that kind of gain some steam with li- yeah. live footsteps? And I know that, you know, people, almost everybody that listens in uses your site. Yeah. Right. So I'm sure plenty of you probably heard the story, but like, I'm actually, you're coming out, you're, you're, you're five year right now. And in a few months, uh, life footsteps is going to be hitting it's 10 year. Actually. Wow. So right, right before, uh, the Worcester shows in 2013, is when I when I started the site, um, my brother, who is a big Dave Matthews fan, have their own site, you know, the DMB Almanac that has all the freaking stats everywhere. And he just was like, you know what? I wish that we had that for Pearl Jam, you know, and like he would be, you know, checking off all the shows he went to, all the all the songs. He's like, I'm 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 chasing this song. That's my that's my ghost or whatever. <laughs> and then like I'm like, you know what? Let, let's pull pull this together. You do you do the, you you go through all the uh you know information. I'll put it together. And you know, I think it was like a year, year and a half, something like that. It took and it went live right before the shows that we, we went had four shows we went to two in Worcester and two in Brooklyn that year. And I was sitting there, you know, after the show, you know, putting in the information and I was like, oh, geez, like, and and now it's been over 150 shows since then. And like, it, it's, it, it's been a whirlwind of information out there now. So, and, and, and the whole thing with, with Marty, with the, the set list coming up, like, oh yeah, we're, yeah. we're trying to figure that out. And like, like yeah, that that's that looks about right. The, this is this that like uh, we had to go through the that, handwriting, right? Yeah, yeah. And there, there's, there's that doesn't happen too often. Like it's only happened maybe three times that I can think of in the last ten years. One of them kind of so, happened on our watch too, but a little more quiet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah we didn't really. really I, yeah, so I, I it was kinda, another one, same era, same terror. It was like Manchester, UK, or something like that. Ninety-two. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was, but after all this, like the, uh, the Boston shows, you were just getting started or you were announcing you were going to get started. And I was like, I want to, I want to beat these guys, you know? And, and then I noticed that you had emailed me before you started asking questions before you're starting the podcast and stuff. And I was like, Oh, I know that name. I, I saw you pop it up and, you know, saying you're going to start this thing. And I was like, I want to meet these guys. And I got the game on and. I couldn't find you. I was like, damn it. 
Big like place. I want to meet these guys. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I you you were upstairs, and I knew most of the time people were were downstairs, yeah. you know, having get-togethers and stuff. But I, I never ended up meeting you then. But then you know we made good of it. We made good and and, and got together and. That was a fun. To, uh, see here now was a fun went, trip. Yep, went to see here now. Yep, and then met up in uh, Madison Square Garden. Yep. Well, hopefully uh, next year we'll hit a couple of places on the East Coast. So, like uh, some of the stuff that we've done, and and that I think is like so important is just like you don't have time to go out and listen to every single bootleg that exists to mankind. So, you know. You go by Five Horizons and what they said. You go a little bit by what the band has on their site. You go a little bit by Two Feet Thick. But really, you know, what we've tried to do is just like fill in a lot of the gaps, like especially with tags. There there was one time oh, yeah. it was like uh, one of the Piss Bottle Men shows that had been like rearranged on some bootlegs. Brian and Patrick, you guys should talk about that one day. Um but There's like the, the freaky style, dirty Frank controversy oh, that we oh, that was a, <laughs> oh don't bring I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. That's, hey, I, that's was, a, I was I was vindicated. <laughs> but like that kind of stuff, like I feel like you know we, uh, you know, what do we? Uh, I think the most recent one that we added was a a, a tag of uh, Ben from uh, yeah, the Michael yeah. Jackson song. But we like you know all that stuff is like you know, piece together your website even more oh, yeah. you, with all oh, that information. I, thank you for all that. Cause like, I don't have the time all the time to be listening to all these bootlegs all the time. And when you're doing a show, you're pulling apart these bootlegs and, and, and listening to everything. And then you're like, Hey, you, you missed this. You missed that. I'm like, okay, great. You know, <laughs> if I have my phone in front of me, I can make that change in like two minutes or, or under that. And it's like, you're all set. That, that's up. <laughs> so it's you know thank you for your reaching out every time you find something like it's it's just it's just me <laughs> there, there was when we first started it was just me and my brother my brother hardly does anything anymore so it's just like and then you, you guys in the community and you know, like i've reached out to a few of you and i've given you access to like update things you know live at a show like sometimes if it's the west coast I'm like I, if it a bunch of west coast shows i'm like i can't stay up <laughs> I keep on doing this like night after night and night, you know, you know, listen to the, the show live or getting the stream and, and doing it live. You know, I, I pride myself on, on getting that song like right on, but you know, it, it, it can be, uh, you know, tiresome to, to do that, you know, for oh, yeah. an entire tour. Well, thankfully yeah, then, we only I've got been, Midwest this time. I've been yeah. going through the 2012 concert PD entries and I got, a, I got a couple of send you. Oh yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Send more to me. <laughs> Well, Dave, every I say this like every time we have a Christmas party or something like that, it kind of turns into an infomercial of, you know, things that people around the Pearl Jam community are doing. And yeah. uh, uh, constantly you are doing great stuff. So uh, big cheers thank and big you, thank you to, to everything that you do. And it's like all this stuff is for labor of love, you guys. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. 
If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at live on four legs. That's the number four live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 club lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are. Ah, yes. The old beg for help because we have no idea what we're doing. Cry. Well, I think it worked for a little while. And where we stand right now, I think it did. We certainly got to know who you are after... Five years and 341 donors to our Patreon account, believe it or not, and 225 at this current moment, we have for sure learned who you are, and we are so grateful that you guys want to keep this alive and are interested in the extra content, and I'll go through this in every single episode. You guys know the encore time. It might be pre-encore right now. It might be a little before the encore, but we're kind of in the zone, so it's a good time to get to it. Now, we always put together the Patreon because we thought that the idea for this podcast would be to go out on tour and to put together things like mentioned before, the event that got the whole thing started at Fenway. And look at where we are now. We're on our second karaoke night. We did, you know, helped out with the St. Louis stuff. Like this has been a consistent continuing trend and we just want to continue to see it happen. And for everybody that's been able to join up on Patreon, we, from the very 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 beginning have given you guys some exclusive content that we felt was necessary to put on there such as the evolution episodes which are always a rave hit and we're gonna probably get to a new one at some point i know i always say that but there are a couple on the horizon that we are gonna sink our teeth into this year i promise you that there was the bridge school series that we did the entire collection of bridge school episodes there is also the late night series that's going on right now that will probably be finished by the end of the year that's been great to go through all of the letterman and snl performances and those kind of things just been a great ride through that history and then lots of other bonus content too there's a lot of stuff and there's going to be stuff for the future on patreon that we will talk about in just a second so, once again, a big thank you. I don't know if there are going to be a lot of people that are listening right now that aren't patrons, but I will throw this out there. You can go to patreon.com slash live and for legs if you want to help. And right now is a great time to help. As I mentioned, we are out on the road. And of course, as you all know right now, the instant reaction episodes that are coming from site have been fantastic so far. So you're going to want to check those out if you haven't joined up on Patreon yet. But also... Everybody is just pitching in for bigger and better things. Like, we're just not going to stay like this forever. It takes a lot of hard work to put the website together. It takes a lot of hard work to put the podcast together. So, again, we're just very, very grateful that so many people that I wish I could say everybody by name right now, we are so grateful to have learned who you are. All right, let's take a couple of minutes to find out who these cats are. We got three coming up that are a part 
of the Live on Four Legs universe directly because they have become hosts of their own shows and segments. So let's start off with the hallucinogenic recipe guys with Brian and Patrick, and then we're going to get to our hero for 2023 and literally our Matt Cameron, Javier Herbos. Take a listen and enjoy. You know, you talk about evolution, baby, and the podcast needed to grow at one point. And, you know, like maybe it was time for John and I to take a little bit of a step back. So I can't quite remember what the conversation was that led to hallucinogenic recipe, but (laughs) one of you two can. Or one of you two probably remember that. Oh, yeah, it was it was totally like uh, I had thrown out an idea really that was about like doing a blog and I had tossed it out that it, it did anyone think it was a good idea and you had um emailed me back and said well why do it as a blog why not do it as like you know special episodes and I'm like okay I could I could see that and it was really all built around the idea of of bootlegs before the official bootlegs um and um it kind of just came together cuz Brian and I kind of started just like hitting off on the fact that we were into similar things, similar music. And then he and I um, got together out at Ohana Encore in 2021. And it just kind of took off from there. I mean, we both just were into the idea of talking about what we were doing between, you know, 1992 and uh, before we got to buy the nice little cardboard bootlegs in 2000 right before it was all nice and easy you could get them kind of easily i'm actually curious if like who who traded tapes back in the day like in the 90s a couple of them i love it i just i I find it to be fascinating i think like i thought there was a story to be told there and and i think patrick's a good co-host there there's a story to be told for people who maybe didn't go through that and then people who did i think it's it's kind of cool to look back hopefully to look back and kind of go oh yeah that was my experience as well I would guarantee, like, I probably traded with one of you at some point, and I still have my little Max LXL2s under the bed in my room. I can't get rid of them. Um, it's just a fun way to geek out. And I said this to Randy the other day. I, I said, you know, I, I just appreciate just being given the platform to do what we do and have fun here. And I know, I know we only have what, like six episodes. We're not the most, uh, <laughs> we're not the most prolific podcasters in the world, but I appreciate y'all that. need to push sometimes. <laughs> it takes us a while sometimes to really let the, the seeds germinate to figure out how we want to do it. I'll put it that way. But you know what? Like when it comes out and, you know, and we just put one out this past week on November 95 that you guys should check out. Uh, when you guys put it together, it, you really take us to a world that I don't think John and I have ever really, uh, kind of barged into. So, you know, like going back and, and digging into some of these bootlegs and go, and a lot of the times you guys are showing pictures like, Hey, I found my tapes. Like I'm going through the actual tapes in order to figure out the story here. Or, you know, the one interview that you guys did with Dan, who freaking put together the Orpheum uh, show. Like, what's it like going back to all this stuff? Well, that's incredible. I mean, like, I didn't even really have an idea of, like, the the effort and energy that went into that. And Dan was really, you know, humble about it. Like, oh, it's just what I kind of did. But, like, you, I don't think that some of the people that were behind the scenes of of compiling the information realize how much of a 
like huge impact it made on people to and and frankly on the entire you know pearl jam business i mean i hate to say it that way but like that what was going on in the fan community created the bootleg project the official bootleg project because there was so much interest from a fan level and a guy like dan and the the stuff that he was doing with digitizing the um home videos that were made from some of the shows and then you know matching those and and basically matrix matrixing them with the audience recordings that were available and in some instances the um soundboard recordings if that was the case it was just absolutely incredible i mean um and you know randy knows this because we we're at st louis together last year but like one of the most incredible things happened i used to trade tapes years ago with uh fred evans and if people are you know tape traders they probably know the name from looking at the, the compilation or you know how a uh, uh an audience tape or a community tape was put together and fred and i for years had exchanged tapes and were part of tape trading communities but we'd never met we never knew anything i went out to go actually see uh joey Goodsir and uh Brad Blazik and grab a beer. And when I come back to the seat, Randy's like, I think you need to talk to this guy. We were sitting right next to Fred and his now wife, who actually used to run the, the Pearl Jam um, uh, tape trading hub, which was like one of the first like online BitTorrent type of communities. And that was just like a head snapper after 25 years, like completely out of the blue. We had 10 club tickets right next to each other. And uh, for that, that was the last of the uh, 2022 shows that I actually went to. So very, very wild. And, um, you know, Fred has done like any show that you are listening to prior to the official bootlegs, probably 85 to 90 percent of them. He has had a hand in like fixing, cleaning up, remixing, remastering. Um, during COVID, he went back to his old tapes and started remixing them again. Um, so uh, that just was an incredible piece of uh, like just absolute serendipity that happened um, between the podcast and and touring to see the band. Yeah, it was funny getting to talk to him and and Tanya. Like they were both very friendly at first, and we were just kind of just chatting and. You know, I think it was in between playing off or I, I'm not sure uh, yeah, that, was, that Josh, night was a whirlwind for me. So, yeah. <laughs> as you know, uh, and then he mentioned, he's like, oh, yeah, I just got done editing Las Cruces, the Las Cruces mix. I'm like, oh, shit, that's like literally the next episode that we're doing. And then I mentioned your name. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I traded with him a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to him. And I just fucking remember your reaction. And uh, when you come back, I'm like, hey, Patrick, you might want to talk to Fred. You might know him. And you scream, Fred Evans. <laughs> I was I was a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, the guy, I mean, that's, truth be told, I mean, the guy, like 90% of my tape CD, CDR collection was because of fred and it just was like com completely wild to to be able to meet him and and chat and um be at that show together so it just amazing things happen when you're when you're uh least expecting it and yet he hasn't joined the show yet that, that's gotta be episode seven 
we're working on that. We're working on that. That's going to be a that's going to be a doozy because well, that's probably going to have to be like a five parter because you, you could go through. Uh, you really could go through like a, a laundry list of different things like that he's done and worked on. So that that's going to take some uh, some some scheduling and picking apart how we're going to attack that for sure. We'll eventually, we'll eventually press them all to CD and make a box set for you guys. I don't know what we'll call it, but we'll, we'll figure it. something out. Well, <laughs> and it'll be it'll be hallucinogenic recipe too. <laughs> the actual recipe of the recipe. Um, Brian, yeah, Brian, man, um, like Patrick was, had been in on this for, you know, the very, very beginning. And then I think I remember my first interaction with you, it was something about like, I was trying to promote something in your Pearl Jam discussion group. And, you know, then we just kind of kept talking after that. And really what it ended up being was that like, you started the discussion group and I was at the time, I think. I had just gotten a hand of the podcast community. It was passed down to me. It was, you know, it, it wasn't what it was now then, but now it's it's all over the place. But basically we had like the same kind of ideas of like, hey, we want this to be about Pearl Jam and we don't want this to be about like people bitching over posters and seating and dynamic prices and whatever bullshit. So like no. yeah i mean like that's that's your old back of that's like i mean i think you and i are like we've we've um bitched about the same people that drive us nuts right like the same pet peeve of and, and by the way if anyone on shameless self-promotion if anyone is up for like literally discussing versions of songs and shows whatever pj discussion on facebook asked to join um that's that's the community i tried to foster and i try and I try to keep it small right like i've kicked a couple people out and i've i've suppressed a couple of discussions there it's all about like all right, let's talk about porch and who's got a favorite version and, and let's talk about whatever. But my biggest pet peeve as Randy has found out, or, or as I find out is also Randy's, which is when, when I, when I post a question, if you respond with the next one I see, or why do I have to choose? They're all my favorites. It's probably not the right group for you. Cause you're driving me fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's literally for people who want to geek out and it's not just, I mean, it's fluff, but it's not that kind of fluff. So when we realized we had that same sort of thing in common, um, you know, I, I think I think we sort of hit it off there, and because uh, I know Randy, that drives you nuts as well. <laughs> I I can't stand it. Why do well, I? There aren't enough Jews in the Pearl Jam community either, so we had to stick together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but because it's not. I mean, to me, it's not a discussion if you if everyone fluffs everything that way. Because I know you've said before, like ah, I post something on Twitter and everyone responds with like, oh, they're all the greatest versions. Why do I have to choose or something like that or or or, or all of them? And I just think like that's not. It just doesn't help the discussion and maybe i'm just anal like that or or whatever you want to call it but um i think we're like-minded in wanting to like foster good discussions and just like be able to do this sort of stuff i think the community you built to have these sort of discussions like dwarfs whatever i put together on facebook but it's the it's the same it's the same vibe it's the same thought here it's all because we love this fucking band right it's like yeah we want to talk and geek out about this band and we're all here because we love this fucking band whether you started tape trading in the 90s or got into them in the last 10 years like that's why we're here and I think all those people that can't give you a straight answer is because they really haven't done the work. They <laughs> right. they don't know their favorite version of Porch because they've listened to three versions of Porch. So. so so but in that case, tell me your favorite of the three is what I'll respond with. Like you Fair. don't have to know all five hundred that they've ever played, or way more than that at this point. Um, but of your three, you have a favorite. So chime in. Maybe it's a great one. Fair enough. 
I guess like, you know, bringing in, bringing you into the podcast world now, like I, you hadn't done anything like this before. I don't know if Patrick, if you had done anything like this before, but like getting to actually do an episode of the show and getting like a couple things under your belt. And, you know, I guided you guys along the way you guys are doing great now, but like, how has that all been like kind of figuring out how to put this together? It's hard. I'll be it's challenging because you want to make sure you're providing like the proper context, the proper, you know, like perspective and information about um the stuff that I think that we think is very important. And you know, it it's it's maybe it sounds silly, but it could be overwhelming. You know, I find myself at times like in a moment like this. It's easy to talk, but when I'm actually sitting down in front of the microphone and thinking, okay, we're going to have to talk about these shows, it can get kind of heavy and heady and like, oh, are we, am I hitting all of the points? Do I have my notes down correctly? Like the first couple of times we, we were kind of winging it a little bit. And then I was like, I, I really need to try to get my, my act together to make sure that I don't miss things that I want to make sure that we're hitting on about a particular time and a particular era. But um yeah, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to 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 come up and make sure that you're hitting all of the the key points about stuff that you know I think really matters. I think I think we have a general approach now. Whereas we didn't the first couple. I think Patrick generally does the outline of the show. It's like here's the here's the kind of thought. Here's where I think we want to go with this and the outline. And I'll generally chime in with like, what if we add this as well and add this and think about this this way and then. I don't know, Patrick, how you do it, but usually like the day or two before we're going to actually record, I'll brush up on things. I know you're you're pretty methodical about like it's it's this bootleg company and was from Italy. I remember doing the magazine. I don't have as much of that in my head at the time. So I have to kind of go back a lot of times, bring out the CDs, bring out the tapes and kind of re refresh my memory as to what bootleg company it was or some of the set list, et cetera. And I just like, I'll usually like, I my kind of two screens, I'm actually using my work computer and I'll have this one here while we're talking. And I'll sort of have like my notes here on the right of like stuff I want to make sure we we cover or like, oh, my talking point, I want to talk about this version of this song, or I want to talk about the the bootleg quality or or where I got this or whatever. So um that seems to sort of work now. Um so yeah, Patrick is like the brains and I just I just chime in wherever I feel like uh it's needed. <laughs> yeah, the, well, you but, both do a great job. So to, to Brian's point, well, like one of the other things that's that's challenging with that is like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about will comes from like internet sites websites that used to be very active that are now defunct or gone um you know anyone that's listened to the most recent episode about um the november 95 shows one of the things that i had to do was go into wayback archive to pull up the um monkeywrench.org website that somebody had compiled years ago and it was you know active for a number of years that act actually went through all of the information about um the entire 95 tour and the 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 um the essentially the bus or the the uh van stuff that ed was doing with the couple of guys where they were doing the post show and pre-show uh sets before they were even broadcasting the the concerts um you know at, at particularly november and then the, obviously the soldier field show but that was like always a great resource in tape trading times or, you know, to be able to go in and look at that. But th those sites have 
gone the wayside and the only way you can get to them is by doing something like going into internet archive and going through wayback machine to try to dig them up and um and it's just amazing to even go back and look about that and think about that you know after all of these years so i tried to actually share that out um i think i did it on facebook but i know i did it on uh twidex or whatever it is now um but uh it's just a cool little tool and and you know you're able to go back and see what was going on not necessarily right in the moment because you know that site was probably put together in 1999 to 2005 i think was when it was really active um but it gives you a good flavor for for what those shows were all about so it's 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 challenging that piece of it because some of the stuff that was so tangible back then you got to kind of like dig through and find and and find little snippets of it um if you know when and where they still exist well i really appreciate john really appreciates the community really really appreciates you guys doing this thing i think the perfect segue from patrick and brian and everybody thank them because they're just terrific at what they do so knowledgeable like that's the thing you just need people that are knowledgeable in this community that can just share their knowledge with everybody else stress it so fucking much it does no good if it stays in your head because if it stays in your head you fucking forget it so got to put it somewhere but the other spinoff well it's about to be a spinoff but right now you guys don't know it as a spinoff but this man has been an important and integral addition to live on four legs in 2023 and it all came from something like we're doing right here <laughs> the christmas party uh, live on four legs christmas part three uh you know it it sort of ended everybody was just kind of like okay you know a couple people out here there and everybody kind of got to talk afterwards and and then you know, Javier, somebody asked him a question. I think it was Joey that asked Javier a question and he just went off, started talking about, well, this sound you're emanating from this guitar and this, you're emanating, and, and this is that, like, you have to use these amps and this era, they use these amps. And, and the whole time I'm like, I don't know any of this, but he fucking does. So we need him to share all that with you guys every week on our, on the show. And I say this to you and I say this on the show all the time after any time that you speak, it is such a huge, like honor is right up there, but I know it's a, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a word I don't want to use, but it's such a huge like privilege to have you share your vast knowledge of what you know within the guitar and gear community and it has turned this podcast into something that i never expected it to turn into you're being too nice <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> bullshit but but thank you imagine what i could do with four beers i just had three that <laughs> night <laughs> well have you recorded your other piece yet i want to see that uh, after four beers yeah i'm trying to but it's kind of like late already but um <laughs> But yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was kind of like, I, it was one of those things where I was like, I was a little afraid first because I'm like, yeah, no one cares about this, you know. 
But then Joey and I, we started to kind of like talk a little bit more about that. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe people will be interested about this. And yeah, and here we are now is August and we're doing more stuff and it's fun. And, and, and yeah. And, and in and, the comments right now, you have two inside jokes at you. You have the yeah. hobby A and the avocado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hint, hint for what's to come. But yeah, it's been fun. Um, I guess like it's the same thing for Patrick and um and Brian too, right? Yeah, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm terrible with names, so I apologize, guys. Um just the fact that like you want to get to details and and John and Randy know, like I, I spent a lot of time even trying stuff at home just to try to figure it out like in the way that it needs to sound so I could get like the best description for you guys. But um uh, but yeah, I mean for for the community, it's just it's totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> I'm, dude, like, I'm just reading what, like, what? Coming up to <laughs> I'm just reading what Patrick, up Patrick yeah. Cotto <laughs> and and Brivy here. <laughs> yeah, we, we should we should do an episode like a mix. Yes, like a complete mix of all that. Yes, yes, I'm down for worlds are colliding. <laughs> yeah, worlds are colliding, Jerry. You know, you'd always been around this, but like, it feels like in the last like nine months or so, it's like we've become really good friends and I appreciate that. And I like, again, like I say all the time, like you have this vast knowledge. Why don't you tell everybody kind of your background in case they, they don't know. And, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's to come in uh, the coming days, maybe. Yeah. Well, I've been playing guitar for a little bit more than 30 years now. So, so it's been kind of like when we did the episode for me, it was more about trying to figure out the whys behind, you know, that's how always been so interested about that aspect of the, the playing and like, what are they using? What kind of pedal is it? And, um, but yeah, and I, and I always want to kind of like go for a music major, but I never did, but it, it was always one of those things that I had like the passion on the side and I always like kept like fueling that over time. And then, when like all this fandom started and, and it was kind of like a really good thing because also uh, there are two guitar players in this band that I really admire. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, what do they use? How do they sound this way? How, uh, how they channel like that kind of feel that they have through like basically a big ass speaker and a vacuum tube, you know? Um, so it was always more kind of like trying to figure out that and just trying to represent whatever sound you have in your head through that. Um, and, and, and again, just going back to the, the Pearl Jam community, it was more about the fandom and kind of like when you're younger, I mean, you want to imitate your heroes, you know, like endless hours of just like trying to figure out the lick, try to figure out the right riff, like what guitar they use in here and all that. And, and yeah, and now we're here, hopefully, uh, whenever I get all, all my stuff done. <laughs> um, we can get kind of like a different approach, kind of like present different tracks, different albums from kind of like a perspective of what they were using, maybe what headspace they were and trying to represent the best sounds that we could and we can um, just for you guys to have like more like a pure um, take to it and not like mixed and all that stuff, just like hear the guitars and the way that they were supposed to sound. So yeah, that's, that's the next idea. Let's talk about that. Let's let's go forward with that a little bit because we've been working on it and I've really been digging this. Um, Lavin Forlugs is about to 
and I guess this is the announcement, uh, have a brand new spinoff show. Javier has absolutely deserved, deserved his own show. And, you know, in the next couple, couple of days, hopefully we'll, we'll get that underground, but the gear garage is here. So explain what the premise of the gear garage is going to be. And it can be pretty much anything like we're open or you can keep this open. The garage is pretty fucking huge. If you've seen, like <laughs> I see in the background there, that's nothing compared to the pictures I've seen. Yeah. So for you guys to see whenever, whenever we, you see that in the back. So yeah, whenever oh, yeah. we, yeah, whenever, whenever like um, John, Randy and I, we will talk, let's say that we have three ideas for like a regular show. I'll run everything in the back. So I can really make it sound in the way that the bullock demands. So now this is more kind of like the regular setup that they're using. So this is what's here. So that might change. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And then I have like that Marshall story is kind of crazy with stuff that you can find in like um, garage sales actually. But, um, but yeah, the, the whole premise of the show right now is trying to explain what's the approach of the album uh, based on like the guitars that they were using pedals that they were using, because it's for me so interesting that like each album, especially in the later era after 2000, they're kind of like pretty well defined. And especially when you see them touring, it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to find like repeats on the stuff that they were using. So for, I thought that I was a very, very unique approach. And especially with the amount of knowledge that I have, with Randy, with John, and listening to Patrick right now, which I really, really enjoy. Like, that's one of my favorite shows that I've heard in the last couple of months when Patrick was on and Brian, I think Brian was on too. Um, if, um, but it, it was just more trying to find a way that we can maybe present an album divided by, okay, this is, this is what they were using at that time. This is the amp that they were using at that time these are the guitars that are going to get close to it. And, and, I know, and I always like to present it in the way that if you're new with the instrument, maybe something that we can really start your kind of like, I don't know, like maybe it can spark something and you can want to, you want to learn, you want to learn the songs, you want to learn like how to dominate the instrument. So I always see it in that way too. Like I always said in the episodes, like if you get your starter pack, which is a delay, a wah and a screamer, maybe, maybe you can get to do something super fun. So uh, obviously the first album that we've chose to dissect and really this is a part one because there can be a part two and a part three we're, we're these are like 15 minute episodes that we're working on here. So we have a lot of ground to cover everywhere. So obviously right. the first album that we're doing has to be no other choice. <laughs> Avocado. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's gonna be the one. So, and, and I think, and it's gonna evolve to a point where, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna feel more comfortable as a host too, because it's kind of hard when you're like in front of a microphone and you have your notes. It's so much easier when you have someone in front or talking back and forth. And and to be honest, I'm so freaking slow when it comes to recording. It takes me more time just to set up the mic to get a good take. <laughs> it's just really like recording the goddamn track, but. Um, but yeah, it's that's that's gonna be the approach, and yeah, we're gonna be dissecting Avocado because I think it's a very special record. It has very unique features that I haven't been able to hear in other albums. So I think it's gonna be a really good kickoff for what we're trying to do. All right, dude. Um, 
thank you again. Like everybody should absolutely thank you for what you're doing. Um, and, and Tanya, I just want to, cause I was going to call Tanya out in a little bit, but I, as you just mentioned in the chat, um, uh, thank you for what you do and what you do is so important and how creative that you put everything together. I didn't mean to cut my thank yous off to Javier, but I saw that you were, you were heading out. So I figured, you know, give you a moment because I think it's such a really important thing. Uh, I've always stressed that the people that do, you know, the Pearl Jam fan labor love things are absolutely incredible at what they do. And even, you know, the, the, just the, the passion to go out and do it is, is enough. And uh, like, if anybody doesn't have your book, who here doesn't have a book? See, most people here a lot. Well, maybe not. I know I've been on your Zoom calls that you guys do. And a lot, I know most of you know about it at least. Well, thanks for the shout out, but thank you, um, Randy. Um, I think I met you around, it was like during um, the pandemic when we're kind of right in the middle, like leading up to see here now, like 2021. Um, so obviously met online because um, I was just trying to like get back into, you know, being active in um, the Pearl Jam um, Facebook groups in the community because I was working on the book and I hadn't really been too active for a little bit um, since the 2018 tour. And um, the I just found the podcast group so um, Facebook group so refreshing to have like just kind of I think some of you had talked about already just to have like great awesome conversations and not just and be able to speak freely and know that um, you could talk like dissect lyrics or a show or you know um, a song or whatever and I just found the discussion to just be so refreshing and that there was like a great forum and place for that um and yeah and so you're just one of the best people i met um during covid and um, out of the pearl jam world and just your support um since i've known you with the book and everything has um just been awesome you're just um yeah just everything really great so um i owe a debt of gratitude for you to you because look john and i have been mentioned in two pearl jam books um uh, if you guys weren't aware uh, unbeknownst to us we were mentioned in uh ronan's book not for you pearl jam in the present tense but we did help a little bit on stephen hyden's book the long road uh book and we we are mentioned in that too but neither of those authors asked me to write a forward and that was <laughs> easily the most daunting task i've ever had to do when it comes to anything that I've done in the Pearl Jam community, but like I, I had like about nine drafts of that. And I had my wife look over and kind of read and proofread. And she's like, all right, this is good right here, but this has got to go kind of thing. And I was like really picking apart everything. Like at one point I looked at him like, no, I can't say any of this. I can't <laughs> say any of this. It's not good enough. But um, uh, like I'd never thought that, I would ever do something like that. I never like wanted to, but <laughs> um, like, I wouldn't want to say, Hey, let me write your forward. But like getting the opportunity to do that was just so fucking cool. Uh, like I, I am forever indebted to you for that. And I really appreciate that, you know, our friendship has led to that. So 
Thank you so much. Well, yeah, and what you wrote was like what exactly what I was looking for. I mean, I told you that, like for those who haven't gotten the book, you should get it just to, <laughs> to read that. But it just really um, captured what I was wanted people to understand about what I, you know, like you said, the labor of love and all the work, because you understand that with doing your podcast, um, like how much we do this because we love the band, but how much we sacrifice and work we put into this and, you know, what we do. So, yeah. <laughs> all right well thanks everyone um hope you have a good night sorry gotta get up early <laughs> can you no no, no worries for the people six <laughs> for the people that haven't purchased the book yet uh pearl jam fan yeah you can just go to that because um because i'm about at 400 copies sold um since i That's launched so i launched the kickstarter a year ago and the first run had 300 books that went out in march and i'm about to have another 100 printed um, but it's just the type of book where I can't do on-demand printing. It's not like it's a just novel, you know, with text. So um, I have to get so many orders in in order to do an, um, a printing each time. So like I have to have a minimum because it's just such a large book. And, you know, with the the photo, um, uh, being a photography book, I can't just be like, oh, I got a couple orders and I need to get a printing done. So, so I'm just going to probably do this one for a while. And then if I get enough orders, I'll do another one later. But then I also want to start working on my next book. So hey. I know the idea. I'm into yeah. it. Yay. Got a couple ideas. <laughs> one, one, right. more, one more thank you for you. I really appreciate that you were able to, to let me kind of sneak in and, and watch what you were doing on uh, in, in St. Louis. Like it just getting everybody that was able to talk just talk that they were vulnerable and they told their stories and you know i i'm sitting on this footage i, I got a message somebody within the uh after effects community to really finish this thing that i'm really happy with but uh i i, I appreciate getting that like getting your uh firsthand same firsthand take of just hearing people tell their stories well i can't wait for people to see that because i think um, seeing what I do at the shows really, I think, explains this to people who haven't seen me take the pictures and haven't seen what it's all about. Like, it's more than just the portrait you see that comes later that's black and white. It's the whole thing from start to beginning, like meeting the person who takes the, and taking their picture and explaining, you know, them choosing to share their story with me and telling me why they picked their lyrics. Like, it's a whole thing that goes beyond just the image itself. So, I, what I think you captured that day, you know, is going to show that. So, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't wait to show it to everybody. Thank you so much, Tanya. All right. Bye, everyone. See you soon. Thanks, Tanya. All right, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed everyone on the Zoom and all of our great guests. And we'll have more for you in a little bit. But something we didn't get to talk about on the Zoom was probably maybe one of the more important things that we've done just as a podcast and we'll tell you how it kind of came to be and and that's the deep project which we were both kind of stunned that we would ever receive an email say asking for us and our help on it because we were doing essentially the same thing at the time writing concertpedia concertpedia entries for you know, the last couple of years of shows and asking for help from people that want to do that. And then somebody gets in touch with us from Universal, Mark from Universal, and asks us if we wanted to be involved in this. And it was like, I can't even explain it looking back because it's like, 
it can't be a dream because how do you dream something like this? You know what I mean? Like this was just it was a it, it felt like a almost an a coincidental thing that we were just in on and and really wanted to make an impact with. Yeah, it's like I remember it he had seen a post um uh, that that I think you had put up asking for, you know, people who are interested in writing the concertpedia and that kind of clicked with him to be like, okay, this is this is something that I'm doing as well. Like let's talk to these guys. So he had just out of the blue one day, got it got an email and like we I think we were both kind of just like like said, just taken aback, like, okay. Um that's interesting. And yeah, it's gonna be on Pearlgem.com. It's gonna be this, you know, it's still up there, deep.pearlgem.com. And, you know, they they had some, you know, parameters set up, like we want you to do this and this. And like we I remember going in on a in a meeting with those guys and being like, we're kind of like the the little brothers a little bit like are we okay to be here like there's some you know no one from the on a baseball team for sure yeah like no one no one from the band you should say but um yeah a lot of people are like putting this thing together and it's it was very cool i mean we we both you know took it very seriously and wanted to wanted to do a good job i remember i sat you know for about a a month or two just digesting as many bootlegs as i could signing up for as many as i could um, you know, wanting to wanted to have it be be cool, and it's it turned into a you know they they pushed it for a little bit, and like I think it got a little bit of traction. Like you saw articles on it in Rolling Stone and things like that. So yeah, it turned it was just a a great opportunity. Yeah, and it was really 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 hard not to tell anybody. And yeah, I the, yeah. when it came down to it, so. Essentially, we all kind of worked on the project and we all had like a month and a half, two months to do it or something like that. And when time was ticking and we were down to about like two and a half weeks left, we had a percentage of the write ups not done. And John and I were really cranking them out. We were doing like a couple a week and we were really putting in the time. And we I was trying just, to do a couple a day at one point. Yeah, I did a lot of the episodes yeah. that we covered just to make sure that I had notes on them already just to get it done and get it out there. And we spoke to someone and we were just like, hey, you know, what can we do to help this? We have a lot of people that are writing for our concertpedia right now. And they, I think we can utilize them. They're very good writers. And I, I like, I think this is an opportunity. And they were like, yes, more writers, the better. So we had hired six people to help us. And well, if you remember too, we couldn't tell them what it was for. I like, was just getting to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so yeah. weird. We had to go on a Zoom meeting with all of them and just be like, this is very time sensitive. We will share with you the shows. Uh, and uh, you, but we can't tell you what it is. Just write up a, a a review of the show, and that's it. And then once the day comes, you'll all know. And I think the group was Patrick Bogle, Brian Horowitz, Joey Goodsir, Gabe Spies, Alex Hoggard, and Nick Smith. And they were all again doing stuff for our site that was still kind of working and and getting published at the time and and this kind of pops up and everybody is just like whoa what's going on and they all push themselves to do 
like 10 each in the span of like a week and a half. And then this thing launches on a Friday and everybody finds out what it is and everybody sees that in Apple Music and Spotify that all of those years of bootlegs were available to them and like they were just elated. I, I like, you know, even more so than when we found out because at least like after we find out it's like okay let's get to work but they work on it and they have no idea what they're doing but they figure out that it's for this project that's going right on Pearl Jam's website you know yeah that was that was a really really cool reveal to do I mean I remember being like you feel like the the parents on Christmas morning you know yeah yeah yeah, those, look, that was, that was really cool, and I think it kind of pushed us to be like, all right, let's go and finish as much as we can in our concertpedia and keep pushing for it. And we still kind of keep pushing for it now, and especially right now where we're in the middle of shows and, and we're writing the night of or the morning of. And, yeah, it's, a, it's an important aspect that I think we sort of forget about when it comes to this podcast is just how important the writing is. So... Speaking of that, I think this would be a good moment to segue into Chris Everett and our conversation with him. He was the one that helped push us to put this together and to have a website in the first place. So let's hear from him, and then we'll come back and talk about our top five favorite episodes of all time. Stay tuned. Chris is out there. He joined late, but he's out there. And one of the other things, I mean, there's so many huge things that, that we've taken on as projects. Um, but I think one of the biggest was the idea to uh, basically follow in the footsteps of Five Horizons and Two Feet Thick and start a website chronicling Pearl Jam's live history as to because Two Feet Thick kind of stopped around like 2013 or so, but really for a long time, they didn't have every single show accounted for. So it kind of became one of these things where, uh, and I'll have Chris tell it a little bit, but um, John, uh, like you were a huge part of putting this together as well. So what was going through your mind when this kind of became an idea that we can put into fruition? Well, it became something, you know, we, we would use five horizons all the time on the show. And I think two feet thick was, was still being archived. Then it's gone now, but uh, it was just such a huge resource to have. And I think it was like November, 2020, we were on our discord, November or December. And I was like, you know, like we could, you know, to, to pick that up again, it would take, you know, someone with some, some resources and a, a bunch of people in a community. I was like, kind of being a little bit tongue in cheek, like we have that kind of here. We could, we could do that if we wanted to. And it's, it started as just kind of like joking around thing, like, Oh, that would be a huge undertaking. But then it was like, started to talk to you and then Chris came up and was like, yeah, you know, I do this web hosting and SEO and it'd be this, it'd be, we, we started to get all these different people and on the project and we're going to need writers and we're going to need this and this. And it sort of, we took a couple of months to kind of mull it over and be like, do we really want to do this? And then I think in like 
January or February was like, yeah, we, we can do this. And I think it was December because we like, remember we announced yeah. it at the Christmas party. Yeah. First one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just been such as like the most fulfilling thing for me. And I know it's like, it's been sporadic and I, the, the 2013 ones have, have, have all been, I'm now, and I'm, like I said earlier, I'm going through the 2012 ones now. And it's, it's just, it's so much fun for me to, to be doing that. Like if you had told me when I was 17, 18 years old, that I would be having a, playing a part and continuing this legacy of every, how big five horizons was and, and what that meant to the community. And if we can even be a small percentage of that to some people, that just means the world to me and getting like, I've, I've seen, I know Tom was in here. Tom stumps here. I just did his a couple of his 2012 ones the other day going through them a couple other people in here I was, I was looking at have written stuff and it's just it's so rewarding for me to to sit and go through those and and know that like those are going to be part of of the legacy of this this community and this fandom forever now um and chris has been like integral to that process like it would not have happened without his expertise and knowledge he might have fell asleep no, I no, I was just listening. Uh, I appreciate those, those kind words. Yeah. I'm it's, it's such a cool thing to uh, have been a part of. And I mean, basically just providing the playing field, if you will, will for these guys, expertise, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And um, uh, I'm really looking forward to looking uh, at the 2012s when those come out here, uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, we're working every day. Well, Chris, now this all started and the discussion all started because you bought the domains and you're like, okay, (laughs) no turning back. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, Liveandfourlegs.com and a couple of other different spellings of the words uh, (laughs) (laughs) just just in case. What's well, been like uh, just seeing how it's all developed and, you know, putting together some of the content and some of the things that we've worked on. And honestly, like, you know, we've done a ton of blogs. Obviously, we've archived all the episodes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, last last year with the tour and then this year with the tour, like we really start to ramp up and get some really, really good stuff out there. What's it, what's it been like working yeah. on all that? Yeah, absolutely. Um I think yeah, what you guys do with uh, the content during the tour is is, is pretty top notch, actually. Um, so being able to put out um, that content and uh, knowing how valuable it is when you know the the night after a show or or you know very early in the morning after a show, um, the reacts episodes and all that stuff is uh, it's it's really good stuff. And so we've we've I think got. Uh, enough of uh the the graphics and stuff done to get ahead of it this time around so yeah we should be able to be very prompt as both of you and i will be on the road for a lot of it (laughs) that's right bring the laptop along yep Mm -hmm. uh yeah you're uh yeah you've been you've been great with this you you've dealt with me and that's not easy to deal with me, especially when I can't do something. And I, and, and look, you're not, uh, we're not your only client. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I've learned that. 
And, you know, I, I learned how to deal with, you know, other graphic artists too. I've been dealing with graphic artists all my life and I feel like I never learn, but, um, you know, uh, basically I can make your life a living hell if I wanted to. You could, but it's rare. I I come very, very close. (laughs) Notice you didn't say it doesn't happen. (laughs) It's rare. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, thanks for putting up with all that. Absolutely. It's my, it's my pleasure guys. Great to be a part of it. Yeah. Great to have you uh, as always. And you've been here for a long time, like not the original four, but you're like, you know, first 20 of patrons and yeah, or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, dude. Um, now I want to bring in, let's bring in Kevin. Cause as a lot of you, if you guys were here two hours ago when we started this, uh, uh, Marty was here and we talked to Marty a little bit about, you know, the, the events that we got going on in Chicago, but really, it's Kevin that has put his heart and his soul into all of this. And, you know, a lot of people here know the story about Sean and, you know, it, it's kind of been a rallying cry for a lot of this community. And for me personally, you know, I never knew him really. I conversed with him a couple of times on the smile group and other places, but I never really got to know him, but it was one of those things where, you see so many people that you love and respect that were so touched by his life that you almost feel it too. And, you know, just seeing, and there was at the time, like at the time of his passing, uh, you know, everybody got together. Ed was doing the earthling shows and everybody got together. They were coincidentally in Chicago and the word spread out to them. Hey, can you do smile in Chicago? Not a song that Ed plays at his solo shows. That is a Jeff Ament song, not an Eddie Vedder song. Eddie Vedder usually sticks to Eddie Vedder stuff, but they played it for Sean, uh, you know, to the chagrin of you know, Mike Watt, not Mike Watt, uh, the other Watt and, uh, and Glenn Hansard, who should have known the song, but they, you know, they, they put it together and they were fucking amazing doing that. I'm sure so many people in that audience shed some tears, but yeah, Kevin, um, just, just talk about like your friendship with Sully and sort of like what you're doing now and how that all kind of came about. Yeah. Uh, stop me if I go on too long. Uh, I was thinking of how to start things, but that's a pretty good way. That's it. Uh, That's me and Sean. This is, uh, Ohana. 2021 uh i remember well the weekend was awesome i mean obviously it was my first ohana uh first festival in a while i thought i wasn't much of a festival person anymore but ohana is very chill i remember when this photo was taken i kind of remember the moment because we were sitting there and we took we we took a second and we literally said look where we are right now if, if you've been to Ohana, it's incredible. Palm trees around you, the oceans behind you, this this beautiful stage in front of you. Very chill environment, not uh, super crazy, not super crowded. Um, Sean was uh, there the first, I, I only did the first weekend. Sean was uh, 
doing both. And in, in between, he was going to visit his uh, brother, one of his a huge family. He has three sisters, two, two brothers. One of his brothers lives in Los Angeles. So he was spending the next week with his brother, uh, Jill, his girl, girlfriend was coming up the next weekend for encore. Uh, it's just a great time. But uh, I guess the one thing, the one thing I'll say about Sean, if, 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 if you didn't get the chance to get to know him, uh, you, 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 you saw something, you know, he had this, this fire, this passion. Um, he would constantly, you know, you, he'd be the one going hit every, uh, show coming around town. If there was a concert I wanted to go to, he would probably already be going, but I could see if he wanted to go. Uh, but you just, just noticed that he was always fired up about that. But he was also incredibly kind and he was really generous. And I was just very curious about it. And I, I, I knew he had cystic fibrosis. I knew oh, like maybe uh, a couple of years before I had met him. I'd met him around 2016 after those uh, shows in the Pearl Jam groups. Um, but I had seen this fire. I was we we met on online in these Facebook groups, realized we both live in Chicago. Uh, we also realized we're both not Cubs fans, which is the only criteria I have for friendship in Chicago as someone that grew up in St. Louis. Uh, Sean is a White Sox fan. Uh, so really the first day I met him, um, I, I wanted to talk, talk about it. And Sean is more than willing to talk about uh, the story of how he got his new lungs. Uh, and just how his life changed after that. But he, he told me that that night kind of what it was at the, at, at the base of this that really gave him this, this gratitude for life. And it was a promise he made to his organ donor, a person obviously he would never meet. Uh, he reached out to this person, actually, well, the person's family and such, and never had the chance to hear, hear back or such. But so grateful for the gift this person gave and could see how it changed his life. He, he said it just his, his, his breathing, his uh, quality of life just improved dramatically. Uh, drugs for cystic fi fi fibrosis are improving. Uh, so, you know, things were going, going well and, you know, then COVID. So uh that's a bit about sean so i don't want to go on too long if, if, if you'd like to ask me anything uh we we can go that way randy yeah so just just talk about the whole event that you set up here and sure. just sort of you know like what what i mean i don't have to ask you what inspired to put you to put the yeah. event together it's it's very clear cut but just you know coming up with the ideas that you came up with and all that and then you know it's gonna be good like you said he is a big family I i've gotten yeah. to know that in the last couple weeks and months yeah. and it's it's crazy seeing all the tickets and shirts yeah. and everything like that sold and sold and sold and sold and sold, sold. I, I sold yeah mm -hmm. and yeah. and uh, yes um, you put together so, this whole tribute so yeah please yeah so this event well um last year actually wow while Sean was in the hospital, so it was probably mid-January or so, 2022, last year, uh, he went in the hospital. And, you know, he's a, he's a, a tr transplant patient, so um, having COVID, he went straight uh, to the ICU, but kind of standard protocol. And many of us had 
texted him the first week he was in there and, you know, pretty high, high spirits, you know, I, I've got this, everything's, you know, cool and such, but kind of could tell things were getting more serious as time went on. I think about two weeks into his hospital stay, uh, his sister sent a note out and just had, had mentioned that he had taken a turn for the worse and that he was going on a ventilator at that point. And quite honestly, I was still 100% under the impression, this is Sean, he's going to be fine. But what this might mean is uh, longer um, uh, uh, health uh, requirements afterwards, uh, recovery and such. So that day, it was uh, Monday, I think it was January 31st, I got the idea I had started running again. And I had kind of thought, well, maybe when like April or May comes along, I might uh, sign up for the marathon, join a charity, see what inspires me. But it was right then it hit me. Boom. It's got to be something for lungs, right? Look on the Chicago Marathon uh, site for charity sponsors. Luckily, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation starts with a C. So I found it real quick and I just knew that's it. That's it. I'll do this. Um, signed up. I asked my wife that day, should I think about this for a day or two? She said, yeah, probably. I signed up about 10 minutes later. Um, I was in, um, you know, unfortunately, Sean passed uh, a, a week later. So never got to tell him about this. But um, the amount of support I got last year was insane from the community, uh, from friends, local people that came up. We raised 11000 last year for CFF. Um, the maybe about 10 minutes after I crossed the finish line last year, I kind of knew that I wasn't done yet. Um, if, if you've done a marathon or event like this, you train so long for an event that finishes in a morning, you get a big, well, what now feeling? And I got it hard then. Um, like, well, Sean's still gone. I, I'm kind of where I was, but hit me quick that, you know, that just means that I'm not done with this yet. So I knew I'd do something got the opportunity join, to join this competition this year. It's so I'm, I'm in a fundraising competition. It started just recently. It lasts 10 weeks. Um, it ends on October 13th. So these people put me in a comp fundraising competition that starts in August, ends in October. Right in the middle of that, Pearl Jam plans two shows in Chicago. I'm just, this couldn't be happening better so knew that i wanted to do something for sean uh wasn't sure we were just kind of putting some ideas together um and that's when randy and marty reached out to me uh both of them wanted to do something for sean as well uh wanted to collaborate and i was i'm still just really really blown away by uh their kindness the uh, Randy's telling you all that I've put in all uh, this work into this. They've put all the legwork, particularly into the Louise event. They made all of that happen, getting 120 people in a place and not have to pay a crazy amount per head or something like that is hard. It's really it's not hard. easy. It was definitely not easy. These guys got it done. Um, we have like a smaller event. We're, we're all kind of doing different things uh, before. There's a smaller event like with Sean's family and such, but many, most of us will be there at Louis as well. Uh, 
But while I'm segueing too much, I'm going to swing into my candle here, Brandy. But as as part of my fundraising, you know, I'm not I'm not running a marathon this year. One of the things my wife said was, "So last year you ran a marathon for to, to raise money. This year you're just asking for money." Uh, yeah, I guess that's right. So I figured I I should do something. And um, it went back to that promise Sean made to his organ donor. Um, I thought, let's create an event. And I decided to call it Sean's Promise. Just a chance for people to get together and remember that spirit of Sean. Uh, 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 another long story. I'm not going to bore anyone with. Maybe at Louis. Ask me at Louis. But I used to, I uh, had a very short-lived candle making, I wouldn't even call it career. Um, a hobby that attempted to move into something else and almost immediately went back. Uh, but I thought, oh, maybe I'll bring that back. Um, so I made this. It's a Guinness scented. Uh, it's about it, it's about 14 ounces or so. I had another friend of mine create this little label on it. It's really hard to see, but it's uh, two lungs that turn into wings. That's in your background too, right? I, That's on your wall, right? Pardon me? Uh, put put the candle down for a second. I think it's on your wall. Oh no, Absolutely Nelson. No, 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 no. I thought it was next because it was another oh. like. Okay, never mind. And that's uh, that's Emig's phone guitar right here. Okay, I thought it was but, uh, no. Cut me off. My my candle has a little uh, Sean, Sean's initials on it. We're both uh, poster fiends. It's probably one of the groups we connected on. Uh, one day I was playing around with this candle. What should I put it in? It's glass and it fit perfectly in a three inch poster too. Uh, I had seen something like this from an artist, actually the artist that did this, Willie Nelson, his name's Joey Feldman. He sends his uh, artwork in Yazoo Mills tubes, have this awesome little printing that he does on the outside. I reached out to Yazoo Mills, uh, Mills and uh, they made me this. Uh, just for this, they're all custom made. They're a little over six inches tall. What I do, I load them up with uh, stickers all over. I have this one all packaged up. Uh, but this is what I'm putting out. I have about 90 of these sold. I'd like to do more. Uh, I can do a lot more. I want to see what people can uh, make me do in the next two weeks. But these are these are $40 and 30 of it will go to CFF. If you're coming to Chicago, we can probably w work it out, like canning it off. Um, if not, I've found $10 flat rate shipping to the US. If you're outside the US, it's going to suck and we'll probably have to work on it or figure something out. Uh, but $10 flat to the US. Randy, Randy and I can figure this out. If you're interested, I can drop my email here. You guys can find me. Feel free to uh, friend me or message me on Facebook. Um, but that's available. And if you're not if you're not a candle person, we did a couple other things to interest uh, Pearl Jam fans. Um, I have about 300 of these wristbands made. I might have to take pictures and show you guys this, but it's black, red, yellow is the design. Uh, one of the side, one of the sides says uh, Chicago 2023, and the other Pearl Jam. I'll take some photos of these and uh, put them out there. I also made a sticker for the event. This is impossible to see. 
this is my wife's office. I think she might be Batman. It feels like a cave in here. It's so dark. Not any good lights. But um, I'll send some uh, pictures of this stuff. Um, candles, you know, 40 bucks, 30 to CFF. Uh, two stickers, five bucks. All of it to CFF. Wristband, five bucks. All of it to CFF. I don't want to charge for this stuff. I want this just to be straight up donation. Maybe keep uh, keep me away from Santos. Um, these wristbands are cool. They put them in these uh, individual bags. Um, gonna, these will be available, Louis. I'm also going to be uh, randomly distributing these, but you have to be like under eight years old to get them. So uh, I have my QR. QR code to my uh, website, my fundraiser website with CFF. Little note about my pal Sean at the bottom and what it's for. So hoping to get these in a bunch of kids' hands and uh, maybe their parents take take a look and go, okay, maybe I have to donate or something. Yeah, Kevin, can't wait to meet up in Chicago and do all the things that we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah, it'll be really good. For a while, it'll be fun. Looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. That's right. All right, so you sat through all of the great interviews and all of this discussion that we just had, and it was a blast just to see everybody and just to, have, just to invite everyone to come and do it. It was just absolutely a pleasure to have that. And now, you know, of course, there was some episode talk in there, but a lot of it was just about how people's connection to the show was and you know, some inside jokes and things like that. But now I think we can kind of, for people that have been longtime followers, patrons, listeners, silent listeners, uh, um, um, contributors in the pod community on Facebook, doesn't matter. It is time to express our favorite episodes of doing this podcast. And I think there were some ideas there that it was like, okay, we wanted to get sort of an idea of something that led to something else that was bigger or like something that emotionally we felt extremely proud of. So I think the the way that we'll do this is we'll just kind of go, I do one, you do one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. go forward. Okay. My first pick for this, the moment that I always point to as a huge turning point in this show was when we decided to take a whole entire month, the month of July 2020, so you guys all know what's going down in July 2020, basically nothing, and we decided that we were going to go pretty hard on giving you guys the Wrigley Field saga. All the stories that happened from all the Wrigley shows that we had up until that point. So there were five shows, and not only that, but we were able to get a an extra episode with a guest for every single week. It was our first time speaking to Stephen Hyden, and then we sp- spoke to jo- Dr. John Evans, and then we spoke to Jonathan Cohen, who was the writer of PJ20, and then got to speak to Rob Bleedstein and Bob Krause. Rob Bleedstein, of course... A lot of you know as the Rob from PJ Series Radio. So it was a lot going on. And then we had two full episodes worth of stories that you guys had sent in to us that we were just blown away by. So we did all five shows in that span of July. And to pinpoint my favorite, I, I, I think we kind of mentioned it with Matt, if I left that clip in, that the second night from 2016 just had a really good feel to it when we all did it together because it was probably the first time the three of us 
had done a show in a very long time and to see Matt excited for something. And you know, as the story goes, he would never give anything a 10, but he felt uh, obligated to in this one. And it just sort of worked out magically. And that's, that's the moment I take from this. And anytime anybody asks me, Hey, what point should I start listening to the whole entire catalog? I say, just start from Wrigley, start from Wrigley then move ahead to whatever you want because anything before that there's some good episodes in that for sure but i think wrigley is where we started to take the rocket and just off to the stratosphere my number five as it were um is an episode that we did during the month where we did the the one and done states uh the states where pearl jam only played one time i believe we did like vermont wyoming maine south dakota north dakota and this one, which is Idaho, the show from Boise in 2000, I believe, episode number 187. And uh, that was one of my favorites because it was a great crowd. It was just fun to listen to, fun to talk about. And it had like a little intangible where, you know, Ed's talking about, oh, we're never we're never going to do a tour without playing here again. And then they never followed through with that and never played there again. And so we got to talk about a, a bunch of stuff we don't normally get to talk about, which is always fun. And a show that's super under the radar that not a lot of people consider a great legendary Pearl Jam show, but it absolutely is. And those are always fun for me. Uh, so that that episode, I think, is one of my favorites. It was a real good one. Yeah, I remember really enjoying that show and really excited about it because leading up to that, the whole purpose maybe for putting that month together was to make sure that we did Boise in a pretty good time. So Um, my next one, I'm not like doing numbers or anything like that. I'm just kind of going to go down the line. Um, My next one is going to be leads from 2014. And there are a couple reasons for this. Now, Leeds came out at around the same time that Deep got released. So that was a big promotion for the episode. And we thought the biggest thing that we can do out of all these shows that just got dropped to Spotify was to do the one show that they added from 2014. And it's one of the biggest that they've done in the last 10 years. And I remember there were about like 15 amazing moments from the show, maybe 20 amazing moments from the show, but this was a weird one for me in a certain way, because I remember that I had, I think, Korean food for dinner that night, and I had some kind of allergic reaction to, I guess, one of the spices that I had for dinner. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, and I had no idea what was going on, but like basically, I couldn't really feel like my upper extremity. I couldn't feel my my shoulders. I couldn't really feel my hands or arms. And I'm doing the show sort of like floating on air almost. And I'm getting through this, and I'm just like really focused because there. I know there's a lot of good things to talk about, and I have it as usual, very well written and and organized in there. And I'm trying not to focus on how weird I feel, how weird I felt. And at one point, I think my wife actually got up and went to CBS to go pick up Benadryl for me. So, uh, but we didn't. Obviously, we cut that out of the episode. Um. But also, like, with that, and, you know, it it just kind of all hit 
in the right kind of moment, I guess. But like that was the week that uh, one of our patrons and friends, Frank uh, Slitty, died. And he died of pan- pancreatic cancer. And I just really didn't, you know, I, I, it was the first time that I ever really experienced that within the Pearl Jam community with somebody that I had become friendly with. And I knew he was sick and we would do stuff like we would send him bootlegs and, you know, just hope he got better. And I talked to him every couple of months and then saw a tweet saying, you know, uh, rest in peace. And I was just, my heart sunk into my chest and I was going into that episode with a really, really heavy heart because I was doing the notes for it when I found out and I remember just doing the tribute. And I believe we played like the full thing of man of the hour. And I think that right there might be one of the best moments that I can remember from this podcast. And I'll say, cause afterwards, after this episode, all of the things that looked like they were going wrong with whatever was going on in my body, I kept saying, look, I, without hesitation, that is my Jordan flu game of podcasts. So I think you guys kind of understand why I would put it in my top five favorites. Yeah, I remember that vividly. Um, my next one is uh, has to do with uh, a big moment, too. And uh, it's, you know, when I came in on episode, I think, 42, um it took me a while to kind of get my bearings and kind of figure out my place. You know, anytime you're, you're coming into a situation that's already established, you're going to want to kind of, it's going to take you a little bit to get comfortable. And I think my next one is one of the first times where I really felt that way. And we really had, um, had a guest on that had a really big story and a big moment and did a great job. And that's episode 62, uh, San Diego sports arena, 95, and that's the one where where Deb came on and and told her whole story about getting to the show and then release and with her friends and everything. And it was just I just was riveted the whole time listening. I was like, this is really what this should be and what it could become with you know the right people and me getting comfortable twenty episodes in, finding my place and feeling like okay, I'm, I'm I know what I'm doing now. With I can like, contribute to this in a meaningful way and to have someone like Deb come on and tell that story. It was really, really cool. And I highly recommend going back to that episode. Um, yeah, that was one of my favorites again, like one that I would definitely go back to and listen to again. Oh, Deb is a tremendous storyteller. She is really good at putting all the pieces together and tying all the loose ends and her story. The, the thing I remember the most is her story about her mom figuring out that she was uh, crowd surfing. And on top of that, and like her mom went to the show, she was about 15 and she went to the show. She was a teacher. So she was like grading papers at the show and her vividly telling that and obviously telling the whole story about how she missed the show in the beginning when it was supposed to be in June. And it was all really, really well done. And if you watch the video of that show, you will see during animal, her foot is up in the air. Right. And right. you will catch that. So yeah, that was terrific episode. That too, that was one of the first ones I think I had edited, so I have a fond memory of that one as well. Did you really edit that one? I believe so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. All yeah. right. Very cool. 
My next one, I'm actually... So, those two were my only episodes of full shows that I'm picking here. Because my next one is actually going to be an Evolution episode. And we say all the time that without the Evolution episodes, like, those that... We say all the time, the epi- the Evolution episodes are, like, probably one of the most challenging things that we do and one of the most uh and 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 content wise one of the things that we're proud of the most on this podcast because you really have to dig into i mean sometimes it's like 400 versions sometimes it's 100 and that could be enough but so many handfuls of versions of songs to piece the story together and after it kind of comes into place, like you don't even know what you're going to tell beforehand because you just have to listen to the versions and be like, oh, I hear something. They didn't do this for a couple years and it all comes together. So I'm picking out of about like 21 that we've done to this point, I'm picking present tense because I love when you're able to detect a song's impact on a crowd and in 1996 it has impact but it's getting there slowly it's not the most popular song off no code and throughout 98 and 2000 and 2003 it's played a little bit here and there but it it takes a while for the crowd to really form a connection with it the crowd really likes it but the moment where it all changed and that's something that we talked about recently on the last Letterman uh, late night series episode is that version from the Letterman studio in 2006, where the entire crowd is singing along to that. And from that point on, the song just went into the sun. Every crowd wanted to replicate that. And you get the song sort of is transcendent in places like Chicago because not even what we know of it now with, with the, the, the Jordan stuff and the last dance, but there was a moment from 2006 where he actually referenced Jordan and the championship banners. And it became one of those versions where the crowd just kind of took it upon themselves to, to sing along. And then basically once you get to a certain point, there is no version of present tense that, has no participation and it is my favorite pearl jam song and that's like kind of gun to the head but i have like reasons for things being favorite most important most meaningful and all that so that that is my favorite pearl jam song to me so to get to do that one and tell all of the stories i think was just uh it was it was one of my favorites to to dig through i, I love that one yeah, there's definitely a narrative on that one that we were able to pick up on and follow. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit, and I'm going to pick one as well. Um, and this one is one of the first ones I think that we did where it was like a it it felt daunting to look at it on paper and be like, "How are we going to do this?" Because we 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 always used to talk about there's there's not a bad version. There's a million great versions. And how do you, I mean, we're like, how are we going to go in and tell the story and figuring that out? I think was really helpful for this whole series. I think it was the 10th one that we did, uh, and it's rearview mirror. And, uh, and that one's actually unlocked, uh, for people to go and listen to. We unlocked that back in August of last year. 
So everybody can go check that out as kind of an example of what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, that was one where we really, I really enjoyed just doing the research and digging in and like something that hadn't been done before. Like, let's go in and, and tell the story of the song. And, you know, it was one of the first ones um, that we did where I felt like, you know, because we had done a lot of the older ones. We had done a couple of the more niche niche songs. But Rearview Mirror was like a big one that we had to take on. And it, I think we hopefully did it justice. Yeah, I think we um, we had this moment where we're like, OK, let's talk about bridges and let's talk about how the, all the different sounds and, and uh, influences that have came through the bridges. And at one point we were just like, all right, well, here's this Buenos Aires version from 2005. Yeah, yeah. It was like this covers the whole thing. <laughs> it was a 15 minute oh, version. Like, yeah. Oh, does everything epic epic mm-hmm. so yep patreon is where you can find all of the evolution episodes i'm sure a lot of you if you're not already a patron you're probably know it so just a reminder patreon.com slash laughing for legs to contribute to what we're doing out there so my last two are actually going to be two interviews that i really really enjoyed and the first one i'm going to pick if you remember last year, we were kind of doing this series in February, March. That was all going to culminate. It was like the 30 years of 1992. And we wanted to dig into the Netherlands shows, the Den Haag show, of course. Then I believe it was Rotterdam and also Utrecht. And we covered those shows, like some legendary classic shows, and really got into what 1992 was. And the whole idea for that series was that we were going to end on Unplugged. And every week that we went on the show, we asked everybody, if you know somebody, if you've been to Unplugged, if you were there, then please get in contact with us. We would love to talk to you. We would love to interview you. And once the show came around, the episode came around, we didn't hear anything. And granted, there were probably about, like, what, 300 people there, something like that. It was very, very small. So you get it. You, you get that, okay, it might be a needle in the haystack. So a couple months go by, and we're getting pretty close to, because we ran the episode on the date that the show was recorded. But now... A couple months later, the date of the episode air date is approaching, and I get this just tweet from a guy saying, oh yeah, I was there, here's my ticket stub, and I'm like, oh, oh, this needs to happen now, okay, I don't care that the episode has came and went, we need to tell this story, because nobody else is going to be able to tell this story. How do you find these people? So, his name is Ken Lesnick. He's a really great guy, told all of his fantastic stories about just being there and the improbability of getting there and what he witnessed. And it's an interview almost not like any other because you just have such a unique story that you can't tell by watching that tape over and over and over again, by watching Black on YouTube or Porch on YouTube. Like, you can't tell that. You can just tell, like, okay, here's where the camera shots were, and here's how amazing this performance was. But being there, it's something that neither of us knew anybody that did that. So, like, I wanted to know 
everything about what was happening in that building. And Ken did a tremendous job when he came on and shared all of that. And I easily needed to put that into my top five. Uh, Ken's a great guy. He's somebody that I met with after the Apollo show as well. So if he's listening in, big shout out to him. So yeah, that is part of my top five easily. Very cool. Um, my next one is another episode that had a guest on who uh, was familiar to both of us, and probably we could consider him one of the family. He, you and I, both on his podcast many, many times. It's episode 102, uh, Las Vegas 2000, the 10th anniversary show, uh, where Brandon from the Better Band podcast came on, and that was just like felt like just a party recording that episode so much fun brandon had great stories he was there um hearing his stories about being there and then everything that happened that night with crown of thorns being broken out but that wasn't the only great part of that show like that gets the headlines but that was just another great show to talk about and getting to getting to hang out with brandon is always fun too so that one i really have fond memories of it's because you edited that one too huh (laughs) <laughs> probably probably spend, <laughs> spend a little extra time with it yeah no i get that i get that you definitely have an attachment to something when you've like narrowed in on it and especially like i've done 200 plus edits you've done only you know a handful of times and you've done some pretty important shows so yeah i i get that that would last in your memory especially a show like that and yeah the three of us always seem to make magic and uh, again tens across the board so there ain't nothing wrong with that coming in hot coming in hot that's right all right my last one here is going to be another interview that we did and that is with josh arroyo if you remember last year the whole thing matt cameron getting covid and then the band needed to find out how they were going to fill for him. They called up Richard Stuverud and Josh Klinghoffer was starting to fill in on drums. And then they were kind of took a, a moment from the who that's kind of a classic moment where Keith Richards uh, was incapacitated and couldn't come on stage. And they asked the crowd, can anybody here play the fucking drums? So they did the same thing. And It turns out that all of the attention ended up on Josh with his friend and his daughter both there all pointing at him, and he's wearing the shirt with all of the drummer names on it, which actually becomes part of the story that I'll mention in a second. But they find him, they take him backstage, he tells that whole story, and they warm him up, and Ed tells him back there, he's like, hey, you you ready to do Leadbetter? And he goes on stage, he performs Leadbetter, and it is one of those just, I can't believe what we just saw type moments. And right after that, I wanted to see who he was. I wanted to see who he was and see if he would talk to us because I, we just needed that side of the story. And, and when he spoke to us, it was like uh, a story like unlike any other because we found out that earlier that day or that week that his brother got into a really bad bike accident and was in the hospital and i think he was supposed to go with his brother i'm not quite sure but like his brother told him please like go to the show don't worry about me and we got to kind of learn step by step how he went through that day and it was awesome because we were also 
this was the day. I mean, this is pretty insane, but you know, we have the two Oakland shows back to back. And then the next one was Fresno, which ended up being the last of, of that West coast run. But it was the night that the Fresno show was happening. And I was getting ready to go to Sacramento the next morning to fly out. And we did the interview and all I can think about, I wasn't really paying attention to that Fresno show that much because I'm like, I gotta get this in and edited and make sure there's no issues with it. And we got to have it out the next day because it's just that good. So that's exactly what we did. And, you know, since then I've, I've, been in constant contact with Josh and we talk a lot and uh right now I hope he's uh doing well cuz I know that you know a lot of things have happened and and uh, I hope I hope he's he's getting through and I really hope that we get to see him in Chicago if things all align so we're thinking about you Josh but yeah one of my favorites is just one of those things that you know in news and in sports it's easy to kind of find those people that had the moments to react to because you, they all have agents and they can set things up through the team and all a radio stations got to do is like okay I want the guy that scored the game winning touchdown but in this it was me getting in touch with his sister on Instagram and finding out when he had time and then spending like an hour on the phone with him before the interview even went off, just like connecting with him and learning about his life. And it was just pretty incredible. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we're looking for when this tour comes around too. But like, that was, that was fantastic. I'm very happy to have done that episode. Oh yeah, he had one of the best moments anybody's ever had at a Pearl Jam show. So it was great. To Any talk fan to. at the very yep. least. Yep. Um, my last one is also an interview, and it's someone that I had in the back of my mind that I wanted to talk to as soon as we started doing interviews, and I never thought that we would actually do it. Um, and this person is, you know directly and indirectly responsible for a lot of my Pearl Jam fandom and therefore being on this podcast and probably this podcast existing in the first place. Um, and it's Karen Rose from Five Horizons. Um, got to talk to her in August of 2021 as we were kind of getting the Concertpedia project going. And Karen was so gracious to talk to us. Like, hey, we weren't sure if it was going to happen. She was like nice enough to make the time to come on and just getting to talk to her was like a dream come true for me like being 17 18 years old seeing her name on five horizons being like oh this person gets to go to all these shows and do all these reviews and it's it's incredible i never thought i'd get the chance to ever talk to her or you know follow us kind of following in the footsteps of of that site and two feet thick with with live on four legs.com and the concertpedia but that whole interview, I was just on cloud nine, getting to talk to her and hear her stories, and just a an incredible person. Just I, you know, subscribe to her newsletter if you can. She's got great stories about seeing shows from the last forty years. Um, yeah, responsible for a lot of. I know a lot of you guys too that are listening to this. Uh, Five Horizons was a big deal, and it was a huge deal for me. And getting to talk to her was probably the coolest moment I've had on this podcast so far. Yeah, I think what I take out of that the most, and it mostly came from our conversation afterwards, is just the fact that she gave us the vote of confidence when, right. Right. you know, when we were just like, hey, this is what we're doing. 
And I asked her, I'm like, look, we have some, you know, uh, drafts out there. And I'm like, would you like to see it? And John, you were almost like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want her to see it at all. Cause like, what if she doesn't like it and all that? And then we showed it to her and she's like, this is really good. Cause you guys are creating your own identity. And yeah, I think had, that, yeah, sorry. We had asked her if we could kind of, you know, port the five horizons catalog over to our site. Cause like, it's, it's legendary. It's like this whole narrative story. Like I still, you know, go back and read it probably once a year. You know, front to back, it's a great, just novelish kind of story, and I would have loved to have. But she was like, she had a really great point. It was like, no, like do your do your own thing, make it your own, and that was a a turning point for me in doing the reviews as well. Like, I we don't have to, you know, kind of copy or pay homage to what they did verbatim. You know, we can kind of do this and make it our own. And like, the plan is, you know, to eventually go into those that the 90 shows and do it kind of from a different angle than what they did and have it be this complement to it that still exists. And yeah, just a, a turning point for me in a lot of different ways. All right. The only other episode that we didn't really mention that I think deserves mention is our first big interview with uh, WWE Hall of Famer Edge. And he's another one that I still like to get in touch with every now and again to this day. And he's like so friendly and he's so willing to just talk about music and Pearl Jam. It's very, very cool. And I, I see him as, as you know, a, a friend, uh, which my 13, 14 year old self would just be like, oh my God, you're friends with Edge, the nerdy wrestling fan that I was. But, you know, I, I had known for a long time that he had wore Pearl Jam shirts to events and things and was on TV wearing different shirts like Temple of the Dog and all that. And I think it just kind of came on a whim where I went out there and I asked him on Twitter at some thread. I don't even remember what it was. Just like, hey, we have a Pearl Jam podcast. Would you like to talk to us? And he said, yes, my DMs are open for you. And that's how it all kind of came to be. So, yeah, that was our first moment that kind of went, quote unquote, viral too. like that thing had a life of its own and took off like it, it was on wrestling websites and all over the place. And that that got us a lot of traction early on. That still is our most listened to episode oh, yeah. to yeah. this day. And yeah, like the edge, it was right before he made his huge return. He'd been out for out of wrestling for, I think. 10 or nine years, something like that. And it was a surprise return that a lot of people had been following rumors or like, Oh, I think he's going to return, but he played it up big. He's like, Oh, I don't know what people are talking about that. I was right, in this right, place yeah, he and do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, he, you know, that that's what he does. He works people, but I sold that to the wrestling websites and they all bought it hook, line and sinker. And it was just great to get, out there in a you know a medium that we should have had nothing to do with but yeah just great stuff and just remember all these what they've become in five years are just great memories of just enjoying putting together something that makes you happy and that's the motivation i have to keep doing it throughout time and i see after a while that it's like it's a weird sense of power that you get because you're not just making yourself happy, but you're making so many others happy along with that. So you feel like you have an obligation to hold that up. 
and continue to do that for you guys that go through this weekly and want to hear the stories and sometimes want to tell your stories. And for us, it's just like, it's just, we can't ask for a better scenario and a better turnout in this situation because everybody has just been so open to what we've been doing and it's just turned into such a bigger thing. Yeah. And I'm, and like, like I said, we're, we're only in the big scheme of things. We're kind of still at the beginning. We've got a long way to go. We do. Yeah. I have a very, very big goal for the future. I don't even know if John knows my very, very big goal for the future, but one of, whenever I kind of see it in sight, I'll, I'll let you guys know, but maybe we'll be talking about that at the 10 year. So thank you everybody for celebrating these five amazing years. And we're just going to celebrate as much as we can until we get to the 10 point where hopefully we'll get to like 300, 500 episodes down the road and it'll be great. So that's it. And I hope that in this moment that, Mostly you guys are enjoying all of the shows and all of the content and the instant reaction episodes that are going on right now. So that's a big deal to us that this all is happening. So hopefully you all are involved and enjoying it. So this may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, miss you always. I got a couple shows left, so hopefully we'll see you out on the road. Next week, Austin 1995. Thanks, everybody. Podcast Pro Jam Live Experience. We just want you guys to know we have a lot of ideas. There's not going to be any shortage of ideas or anything coming up. So we're just going to keep talking about how we have the ideas, but we're not going to tell you what they are yet. But we, but we have them. It's hard to imagine. It's When I started Daughter, I was like, wait a minute. This is not the right spot for Daughter. You exchange those looks with the people next to you, and you're like, "Is this what I think it's going to be? This is this is what we're doing." This was one of the most special moments of the show for me. Is that realization when daughter ends it? Like, oh shit! Like I know what's happening. I know what we're going to get. This is going to be one of those nights. Ed walked over in front of my daughter and Ed told the security guy to give his pick to my daughter, which was super awesome. There's nothing special about anything that she was doing other than singing along and being a kid at a show. To me, it was just a, a really cool thing that she had those interactions on her very first concert. shade even say you know everybody's like oh you know i hear the song i think about my dad well you know what it, it's true in the back of my mind i almost didn't want them to play it because i knew i was just gonna fall apart that was the most emotional point of the set for me and when i listen to it to this day it still makes me cry 
few notes of Nothing Man were just bone chilling to me. I lost it. I'm standing there with Sarah, watching my favorite band that I hadn't seen for 11 years, playing one of my favorite songs off of my favorite Pearl Jam album. And Sarah looking over at me, and she understood what it, what it meant. It was just one of the greatest musical times of my life, and I got to spend it with Sarah Lee. I had no idea what was going to take place. And then when Ed said, is there a guy named John in the audience? It was just not registering. And then Ed kind of walked over and started, you know, kind of talked to me and pointing. Then it all hit. And then it was like, I'm getting choked up about it now, thinking about it. It's just this gesture, you know, of Ed coming from a place of his own emotional storms about his dad and my things going on with my dad I don't have um, words to uh, to really describe it I think in the end I definitely wanted there to be a space where all the like-minded people would get together and just like appreciate how much this band has given to us for 32 years now. I'm proud of a lot of things, but I'm absolutely proud if I can come out of this thing and John can come out of this thing with the knowledge that you guys have learned something from what we take the time to do. So if that's been you, then from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you so much. 